after this, I got to uh, mow the lawn and then take the cat for a walk. So. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, so I'm charging the batteries on the uh, on the weed whackers right now. <laughs> Good. Uh, is that what you use now? Just to knock uh, it down? Yeah, it, it, it gets, yeah, it, there's just not enough room for the, well, here's the thing. I got to get it low enough so that I can use the push mower. I know. Once you let it grow too much. Ugh. Yeah, so it's basically knock it down, then push mower it. Mm-hmm. But also, a lot of the areas are just impossible to get to, uh, aside from a, you know, a weed whacker. So yeah, just, yeah, that's what to do. Cool. Put yeah. on the glasses. That's what I need to buy. Actually, is a is a a weed uh, weed eater or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have one anymore. What what happened? <clears throat> well, you can you can talk about it on the air. Oh, that's exciting news! <laughs> Let's talk about it there. Okay. Yeah. Our new segment: whacking off. <laughs> All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. And I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm back again. I was just checking to make sure I turned on the recorder. Oh, well, welcome back. It's nice. Uh, We missed you while you were away. No problem. So, uh, actually, I wanted to start the show with a uh, with a little apology for, okay. for uh, you know during fan spinners this week. I suffered a weird allergic reaction, and uh, partway through the show, my tongue got really swollen, mm. and I got really really tired. <laughs> this really weird, a really weird experience. It doesn't okay. So yeah, it was quite and, and during uh, COVID times, that's not fun. Uh, no. So what was it? I don't know. I don't know if I ate something that d- didn't agree with me, or or because I just had dinner. And I came mm-hmm. outside, and then I just experienced this weird thing where my tongue got really swollen in my mouth, and I had trouble speaking. Okay. So I kind of, I kind of left the show to you, is what <laughs> what happened. Okay. But but your but your enthusiasm next? for for the subject, you carried the show. That, that, uh, right. We have talked about the Emoji movie. That's, That's true. Right. Thank you. First of all, thanks for that. Uh, so, and, <laughs> and, and, and and two, let's go with this next time. Next time, stop doing the show. And go inside and and and, ch- and check out this allergic reaction because I that's important thing to check out. Yeah, I didn't really know what was going on. It wasn't until we stopped talking. I was sort of sitting here and I was like, "Man, I wonder was it an allergic reaction?" And because I still had to edit the show and put it up that night, right? So right, I had no, uh, I had no choice. Okay. Well, yes, you did have a choice. I did have a choice, but I, I prefer health, to I prefer, health first. Health. <laughs> I prefer to think that I had no choice. Yeah, if <laughs> you especially again, I can't stress enough during times of you know. Uh, pandemic. Mm-hmm. If you all of a sudden get uh, extreme medical uh, symptoms, yeah. such as you know uh, exhaustion that just comes off you over you like a wave and mm-hmm. swelling of uh, bits, uh, then yeah, uh, stop. Let's stop everything, and uh, you get that. Uh, you check that out. That's more important than me talking about the shit emoji and uh, whether or not uh, you know it, it, they have a sex or not. Yeah, there's always swelling of bits when we do the show together. Oh, well, that's that's good. <laughs> so we were talking you're, you're talking about us getting swelled heads <laughs> from right. all the nice uh, emails we get that's, that's, that's what I meant that's totally what I meant right it, it takes your mind off it the didn't job. it didn't come across the other way did it sorry I, I really don't know look all I know is we've <laughs> got to use the explicit rating so often on this thing or we lose it so that's right. done that's it right. we, we got Hooray. it good for us uh, <laughs> there you are uh, again I'm uh, I'm I'm here with uh, you know uh, lockdown brain. Mm. So uh, I got lockdown brain, and then your tongue swelling up. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, what a pair! 
I was uh, reading about that in the newspaper. Yes, I still get the newspaper when lots of comments of my age is, well, are welcome. Uh, and there was an article about that, just that thing that kind of, uh, um, because of the, the kind of uh, stress that people are under right now, this, uh, what you what what you call quarantine brain or whatever, where it's, everyone's feeling kind of hazy and and I don't really I don't feel like I'm suffering from it just because my life hasn't changed that significantly, you know, other than you know other than you know things that I like to do I can't do right now, but but uh, I'm still working and things, so I still have like a, a routine that I'm following. I still know what day of the week it is. I haven't really got lost in a sort of amorphous, mazy sort of feeling that uh, you know that the days sort of run into each other without end. So. Maybe quarantine brain is just kids in summer brain. Maybe that's what it is. Okay. All right. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, here's here's the weird thing to me because and and could I mention that I've been doing these drawings anymore? Um, I've been doing this uh, Linda Berry uh, making comics uh, kind of course a yeah. little bit. Yeah. But the one thing that I've been regularly doing is I've been doing diary entries, and okay. uh, and part of that is doing a drawing a day of like something that you did that sure, day, sure, or in the last twenty four hours, and. For instance, this week when, you did one of uh, you doing the critical hit show the other night, right? Which, I, oddly enough, is one of my least favorite ones. I'm like, ah, no, it's not a full body drawing. It feels like a cheat. Um, <laughs> it's just head and shoulders. It's too easy. No, mm. yeah, shame on me. And also a shameless, um, a shameless plug for the, the company that's sponsoring you. Yeah. Oh, for, for shame. Um, <laughs> but but looking back on it, because I started it in the beginning of May, and if I was to like think back at what I did in May, I'd be like, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I can actually look at these pictures that I've drawn and see the journal entries. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I did do a bunch of stuff in May. But this, my sense of time, <clears throat> if I'm remembering back, it seemed like my anniversary was the 11th uh, of May, and and that seems like months ago, months and months and months ago. Mm-hmm. Or like we went to a bank, we had to line up for a bank, yeah, and that seems clearly months and months and months ago. But it wasn't. It was all in this month. Uh, all this stuff that we did. Uh, that if I didn't write it down, yep. uh, I would I would completely forget it. And I'm, I'm when I'm saying all this stuff, yeah. it's all stuff that basically is within, like you like you were saying, summer summer brain. Mm-hmm. It, it is more like kid brain because my life now is about a three block radius from my house. <laughs> yeah. Much like when you're a kid. Yeah, I think and that's so, part of it too. Is we're not really we're not traveling places. We're not we're not. You know, like we're not even getting to go to movies or anything. It's just we're not having perspective uh, shifts. There's no, there's <clears throat> nothing to compare on the horizon to. So sizes are wrong. Yeah. Like everything's, uh, yeah. It's all. It's for me at least. It's a, it's a mess. But the, it's good. It is good to be doing this journal because I do have a record of this. And even though the drawings aren't necessarily accurate exactly, uh, they they are. They do feel true in a way that, like, if you were drawing a dream. And like, uh, you know, so I look at like a drawing I do of, say, my kitchen. And it's like, it's not a completely accurate drawing, mm-hmm. but it's definitely my kitchen. And it feels like my kitchen when I look at it. So yeah. I'm, I am kind of enjoying that. And it, it is being useful for me right now for marking time and remembering things. If I say to if I say to my wife, what did we do yesterday? We both have to like sit down for a solid two minutes and just go, <laughs> OK, so it was Tuesday which helps in no way, shape, or form. And what else? Looking around for context clues in the room, memento style. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's a dish in the sink that looks like it has lasagna. Lasagna! We made lasagna, which means I had to go to the store to buy meat, which means I had to do this. Okay, all right. So we can replay it a little bit and figure it out. But uh, if we just sit down and go, yesterday, gone. (laughs) Well, to be honest, that's every day for me. Is that right? 
Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah, I often think it'd be fun to um to do like a journal thing. I I always wanted to do that, but I have this uh, mental illness where if I feel I just feel like I'm too late to do something. You know what I mean? So like when I was in my twenties or even in my teens, I was like, oh man, I wish I started doing a diary when I was younger. Too late now. <laughs> But, you know, if I look back at it from like 30 years later, I'm like, you idiot. If you'd started that 30 years ago, what an interesting list of things to look back on. Mm -hmm. But even saying that, what an interesting list. Actually saying that, I think I did start one for a short time, but I I gave up on it for whatever reason. Is it in this book that I'm using here? No. Yes. Yeah. There we go. So uh, stuff from 2011. Oh, wow. That's how long ago I did this. So yeah, it's just things that I was doing at that time. Um, yeah. So what were you doing in 2011? Well, let me see here. Uh, it's not very, it's not very much stuff here. I obviously gave up very quickly after I started it. I'm not really a person who enjoys reliving things, I guess. Nope. Except way from the past. Uh, so uh, this is April the second, 2011. So worked on the drawing table. So that time, this is just about when we started doing Sneaky Dragon. Okay. And I was, I made my drawing table. Uh, worked on these bookshelves as well. I built her some bookshelves. Picked up Mary from the airport. Oh, this is when Mary came back from Quebec after she'd been away for six months. Oh, nice. Okay. I, I noted her plane was an hour and a half late. And then I said, watch The Departed with Lisa. She didn't like it. She did not like that movie. So there you go. Um, Neat. Yeah. Sorry, just trying to look and see if there's anything interesting here. I'm just thinking a fun thing to do sometime would be to just get the family together and just go, Let's flick through Daddy's journal and recreate a day. And I'm like, okay, what was it? I picked you up from the airport. Yeah. Let's go to the airport. Then let's come home. Let's watch that same movie. What did we eat? Okay, let's eat that. Let's just have a day that's you know where we celebrate a day that we randomly had in the past and just try <laughs> to recreate it as accurately as possible. So this was May fourteenth. Uh, this is from two thousand fifteen. So I may, I must have obviously stopped for a while and picked it up again. Okay, five years ago. Yeah. Uh, Busy work day. Research Tintin, the crab with the golden claws. Recorded totally Tintin. Uh, Recorded Sneaky Dragon. That was 180, it looks like. Drove Mary to Horseshoe Bay for Furcom. Mm -hmm. Worked on buttons for Van Calf. And then I said late night, 2 a.m. Now, were you working at the garage door uh, place uh, then? Or were you working at the pharmacy place? No, I was either working, still working at Sunburst at the time... Or I was working at uh, Southwest Bindings. Okay. I can't quite remember exactly when I started and when I... But that is when I... When that stuff stopped, yeah. Huh. I, I did find some journal entries from... Uh, well, journal entries. Just random scrawlings from, like, uh, the mid-80s that I did when I was going through my storage locker. And it's, we've got a couple of shows that are in town where you can go and read... Uh, your journals from um, from when you were a teenager. And I went, oh, that sounds like fun. Then I picked up mine and looked at them and went, that would not be fun at all. <laughs> this is just, like, it's all just straight cry for help. Like, <laughs> is it's that right? Just, oh, my God. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, oh, you just put them down. And, like, I'm not going to get rid of them, uh, but uh, they should not be read out loud. That is best. That is best put aside. And, uh, yeah, it's so weird, like, just going like, oh, that was me. That was me. I, my whole brain was full of this. It was just stuck to the bust in with this. That's so uh, it's so bizarre. Huh. I think I think it is good now doing these uh, these drawings and and just uh, I don't know how long I'll keep doing them for, but uh, uh, especially during this time of uh, weirdness, I think it's I think it is good to just keep a record and even something like 
you know, you're talking about like having a journal entry. This show is yeah, a journal entry. That's Once true. a week for the last eight years, mm-hmm. you've been like going, what you've been doing. So if you want to, <laughs> if you want to figure out what your life was like uh, five years ago, yeah, you could look at that uh, piece of paper or you could just uh, listen to yourself talk for two hours and go like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I was. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And, and the strange thing is, if you listen to almost any one of our shows, you or me, uh, I'm going to bet that when you start listening to it, you'll go, oh, I remember this one. And you'll almost remember like just uh, snippets of dialogue that we that we talked about. And that's a weird thing going like, I remember something from like seven years ago that we said, like just actually said. Huh. That's strange. But you do. Yeah. You fall into it and you go like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. So, yeah. I, I mean, I think like nowadays – uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say like kids is sounding like that, but like, <laughs> I know like my niece and nephew document every day so thoroughly through, you know, photos and, you know, Instagram and all the different, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. social media, what have you that like they've, that's their journal. They, they will have such an, uh, a thorough record of their lives, uh, you know, uh, from, uh, from, from this point on. Yeah. To a degree. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess at it least, depends what you want to record. At least what they wanted to present. Yeah, at yeah. least what they were presenting, what they were fronting, uh, looking cool, standing <laughs> in front of cars. You know, a lot of doing the peace sign. You know, um, <laughs> very peaceful times, I guess, back then. Yeah, yeah. a lot of that. Yeah, I think the purpose of of those, and I, I kind of expanded it, was I just wanted to record what I'd watched or was reading and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, the idea being to remember what I've what I've read and, and cause I don't, I mean, I've seen a lot of things, but, and if I sat down and like, you know, went it, even my mom, I can't even remember like just sitting down, some things would pop into my head, but I'd have to like, look at like lists of films and be like, Oh yeah, I've seen that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've read that book, but I wouldn't, you know, you just, so much of what you've done in your life is, is gone forever. Of course. Yeah. That was, was the, that was a value of the girls. Sorry, that was a value of the girls when when they were younger. Was they rem- would remember things I did, especially my jokes. They would remember my jokes for me, which was so great. So be like, they'd repeat them and baby, Dad, remember the time you said blah blah blah? And I'd be like, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> I don't remember saying that, but that's a that's a good joke. I do get that from friends of mine that uh, I did stand up with. They will remember old stand up bits of mine that I have completely flushed away. Okay. Yeah. 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 This is this is actually a, a thing uh, that I uh, that I was doing before the you know uh, the you know the play kit um, <laughs> was was a an unflushing because I used to do uh, improv on a very regular basis. Like I would do shows from Wednesday to Saturday, and on Friday and Saturday nights I do three shows a night, so, and I do like one to two shows a night on Wednesdays and 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 Thursdays. Sometimes I do them Tuesdays, um, and so you wow. do so much stuff that you have to at the end of the night flush it all away and forget it. Yeah, because you can't just keep it all in your mind or you'll go crazy. And so I got really into the habit of like you do a thing, you just dispose of it, and now uh, now on to the next thing. Yeah, and then that got. To a point where I was doing that, I think with regular life too, and I'm like, oh, this isn't good because it's making me forget things. Mm. So, so uh, starting a couple of months ago, I was doing a thing at the end of most days where I just sit in a chair very quietly and I try to generally recreate uh, moments from the day as thoroughly as I could. Like I'd sit and I'd go like, okay, so I was walking down the street. Who did I see? 
like what people do I remember? And I remember this person with a dog. I remember this. I remember this person had a hat. I remember this thing about this bird was there. I remember this. And just try to go through the day, not in real time, because that would take 24 hours. But <laughs> I, uh, I, I just generally try to go through the day mm-hmm. and like remember things. And like, okay. So at the end of the day, I do kind of remember that. I've kind of locked some things in there. I do remember stuff. Okay. And then I go to sleep. And then the next day, I'd be able to remember you know, the day before a little bit clearer. And it's not really like a fear of Alzheimer's or, or what have you. I feel like it's, it was just like a, a thing that I trained my brain to do that I went, Oh, I've got to untrain my brain to do this. Cause uh, there's things I want to do now that I need this not to be the case anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. It's weird. Like I get, I, uh, uh, our friend uh, Nina uh, gave me a little uh, email the other day uh, regarding a spark story that we were, that I that I'd written a couple of months ago, and and it's out of my brain now, like completely, <laughs> completely out of my brain. Like the idea of like, so in this scene where this is happening with this, and this person's looking at this, where would the tree be located? Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Let me and and I get that as well from Giselle when with Exorcisters. Yeah, she'll go like, oh, okay, so these two characters are in the room. So uh, so what's happening behind them? How do they see this thing that you're talking about? And I, I don't know what you mean whatsoever. <laughs> what, what issue is this we're talking about? This is issue uh, seven. Ah, seven. Good old seven. Lucky seven. Lucky. Click, click, click. Looking it up, looking it up, looking it up going through it. And then I sort of remember it. But like off the top of my head, after I've done a thing, whoosh, it's it's gone. So um, now that I'm writing the new the new issues of Exorcisters, yeah. I've had to go back and read every one of them, yeah. and just kind of uh, put it all back and pack it all into my brain. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have? Are you finding maybe some trouble picking up the tone? The tone actually has to change because I think if something doesn't tonally change um, from story arc to story arc, then uh, then I. I have I, I think that's troublesome. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So that with TV seasons as well. I think each TV season should probably feel different from the one before as well. And so I'm I am trying to make it a, a little bit different. Hmm. Hmm. Curious. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I'm. I don't think I'm. Obviously, I don't train myself to forget things, but I I live my day and I cannot remember what happened at all. I'm the like you know we eat dinner together as a family. And part of dinner, dinner together is, of course, asking how each of those days they went. And and I, theoretically, I should be the one with the most act, activity in the day. I left the house. I went to work. I interacted with people all day long. And then I get home. I'm just like, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Anything happened exciting this week? Um, can't <laughs> think of anything. And what's yeah. dumb is like today was the f- like our branch manager retired and it was his final day today. So I've known of this all week. I've known of this all month that this was his final month. And yet I forgot, I did mention that he was retiring, but I f- forgot to mention that this was his final week. And I, you know, the, all week long, I've been going like, oh, nothing's very exciting at work. I don't think <laughs> nothing, nothing to mention too much. Just the person who's been there since I arrived is leaving. Uh, other than that. Uh, yeah, no, it's strange. I, I, I have a terrible, yeah, I just have a terrible memory for what's, I, It'll come back to me maybe a couple of days later. I much I have a actually a better memory of what happened during particular days after I've processed it. Mm-hmm. But I need to process it. I can't just talk about it right away. Here's a here's something that I'm ripping off from another podcast that I can't remember. Mm. Uh, which which actually was it totally really, 
which is no, no, uh, which is really appropriate since the topic is memory. Um, but uh, they they postulated this theory, which is that our mem, you know, there is t- some degree your memory does get a little worse as you get older. Yeah. That is just something happens to deteriorates a little bit, sure. but not to the degree we feel it does. Hmm. Their theory is, and I subscribe to this theory. Oh, how much does it cost? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's free for the first month. Okay. And then I'm going to unsubscribe to the theory. Okay, okay. After I've copied it. Um, their, their theory is uh, that your brain basically works the same as it did when you were younger. But when you were younger, you didn't care. But now, <laughs> you know, you forget something. And as a kid, you don't go, oh, no, my memory. You just go, eh, I forgot. Oh, yeah, that. You know, kids are forgetful, too. Yeah. Teenagers are totally forgetful. That's true. People in their 20s are really forgetful. But then you get into like your 40s and 50s and you're like, oh, no, I'm getting <laughs> forgetful. No, you were always forgetful. I guess. You're just you're just concerned about it now. Mm. Uh, so so that, that's it. So don't worry about it. It's fine. Oh, no, so I, don't, I know I've always been forgetful, but I think, yeah, yeah. I, I think my ability to, re- to recall things has gone down, though. Like I used, to be, I used to be better at like remembering the names of actors and actresses from movies. Okay. Now I'm I'm not good at that. I can still I still know that they're from something. I just don't know who they are. Like in terms of the name. Let's go with this. Like, when do you think you were like at your best memory wise? Like, like new uh, pull 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 a name like boom off the off the top of your head. Super 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 quick. When Uh, what age would that have been? Last week. Was that last week? No, I I don't know. Is this this happened with the swelling of the tongue and the lost memory? Oh. Again, we should stop this right I'm, now and you should I'm get this checked out. Blaming the emoji movie. By the way, I do think a bee flew in your mouth halfway through the mm. uh, the podcast. That's very possible. I po- possibly that is the case. If you're anything like me, <laughs> that's that's what causes my tongue to swell. Or the last time my tongue really swelled swelled up was when I was bike riding and a bee flew in my mouth mm. or a wasp. I was wondering. I was wondering if it was watermelon. Oh. Does watermelon uh, cause an allergic reaction? I don't know. It's just so watery. Like it's like saying I'm allergic <laughs> to cucumber. It's like really, that sounds odd. But I guess the seeds possibly. Did you eat the seeds? Probably it's the seedless watermelon. So those those little kind of trans translucent seeds in it. Mm, yeah, the little orbs. Okay, all right. Well, but just I don't know. keep it. I really Keep don't an know. eye on it. Also, hey, you know, it's the time of year where there's like pollen and weird things blow in, mm-hmm. to, and, you know, and you're in a you're in like a workshop kind of situation there too. There's so much stuff that can go on. So yeah, don't. I mean, don't again. Don't give it too much worry. But if it happens again, uh, you know, uh, keep an eye. Take care of it. You don't want your tongue to swell up to the point where it blocks your throat or anything like that. So just careful. <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about it. Okay, it's nice to not be worried about it. But listen, you don't have to be worried about a fire in the kitchen to have a fire extinguisher. <laughs> no, no, no. Is just have a plan. No, no. In case, I, it, yeah, yeah. In case this happens, you know, you're going to walk in and you're going to say to Lisa, point at mouth, oh, he's got the swelly tongue thing. That's what this is. <laughs> and not give me a big wet one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I'll have to, I guess we'll have to recreate that dinner. And then I'll, we had, we had like breakfast for dinner that night. Okay. And it was a pretty extensive meal. We had um, uh, omelet. Nice. Pancakes. Also good. Hash browns. Mm-hmm. Bacon and sausages. Nice. And then watermelon for dessert. I'm looking up. Uh, sorry, I got to. I got to type something here. I, I've been. I've been going with a, a cookbook that I've really enjoyed recently. So, 
that made me that made me think about it. There we go. It is the complete uh, uh, cookbook uh, for young chefs, and okay. it's by America's Test Kitchen. And they're oh. all fairly simple recipes. I see. But uh, but they all work great. Like I just made some muffins that are great. I made some overnight um, uh, waffle uh, mix. Uh, I just made. Why is it uh, called some... overnight waff- waffle mix? Because you make it, uh, you make it, and then you leave it overnight in the fridge. It's got yeast in it, so oh. it rises a bit. Okay. And when you cook it in the morning, you get really nice, uh, fluffy uh, waffles. Nice. They're really good. And I just made some uh, hot chocolate uh, balls. Uh, which here's what this is: is you take um, you take like some semi-sweet chocolate chips, and you take uh, heavy cream, just put it in the microwave for like about 30 seconds at a time. Okay. Mix it up till it's uh, you know uh, t- melted together. Put it in the fridge for three hours to overnight. Take it out, scoop it out, uh, and make uh, they're about two tablespoons uh, balls. You just roll them in, uh, into balls, yeah. and then you can freeze them yeah. or use them right away. It's up to you. Yeah. And you just put them in the bottom of a mug cover them with milk and uh, then just put them in a microwave for 30 seconds at a time, give it a stir, 30 seconds, give it a stir, and you just get great hot chocolate. Huh. Yeah. And they've got a, a recipe in there for mug cake and mug cake is always shit. But they've got <laughs> great mug cake. Like, it's really, really good. To the point where, like, Pia was uh, just stunned and just went, I expected it to be, like, okay. But this is great. I'm like, I know. <laughs> and, and, and time after time, the recipes that I've gotten out of this book, once again, the complete cookbook for young chefs have, uh, have really been impressive. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Sounds, that's a, a reliable kitchen, America's Test Kitchen. It sure is. They do a nice job. Because and they're and they're friendly and calm. <laughs> they're very calm. I've never actually watched the show except for one that was like a, they attempted to reproduce a Thanksgiving dinner from the turn of the last century. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Like okay. They cooked, they cooked the turkey in, in a wood stove and made it, made it really onerous for themselves, but it looked, it was interesting anyway. Yeah. And they made sure they used the appropriate racial slurs while they were uh, cooking. <laughs> That's right. And they made a, a selection of uh, puddings, but they were like jello um, molds and stuff like that with these really elaborate layered jellos and stuff that Kathleen Gross would love. Mm. Yeah, the um, they've got a book, not a book, a magazine. I think it's like uh, Cooks Weekly or something like that. I forget what it is, but I really do enjoy it. Like they do things like they'll test pans. They'll have recipes, of course. But something I also like is uh, people give their tips for like, you know, little kitchen hacks. Okay. And they, they draw them in uh, very fancy drawings. And I really enjoy the drawings. Those stick in my mind really, really clearly. I'm like, ah, that's how I use that toothpicks more effectively. Ah, very good. <laughs> Life hacks. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I've been doing a lot more cooking, uh, you know, because of, uh, you know, circumstances. And so it's nice getting a book like that. And I've got I've got one on uh, a manga book on uh, Japanese cooking. I think I've mentioned before that I've really mm-hmm. been enjoying. And I got a, bi- a binging with Babish one as well that we've been using to, like, make apple pies and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's been fun. Well, that's good. I've been eating other people's cooking. And that's also very fun. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Where are you getting other people's cooking from? Well, Eve's been cooking for us quite a bit, actually. So, mm. But Eve's on a keto diet. Is that what it's called? Sure. Is it uh, like no carbs and No and carbs, stuff? yeah. yeah. She's, not okay. en- she's not enjoying it. She's only going to do it for a month, she said, because she doesn't want to doesn't go into summer. Happy. Yeah, it doesn't make you happy. Um, if, you, uh, well, if you wanted a good cookbook for that and possibly – you know, uh, we may be like dropping things off for each other at some point in the future. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll give you uh, Alicia Tobin's uh, book on uh, keto cooking. It was like some of the best keto recipes oh, I've okay. seen. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Very, very good. Like they're just enjoyable, even if you're you're not into that uh, crazy lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. She she's not enjoying it too much, and then yeah, like I said, she doesn't want. She's um, going up to my brother-in-law's cabin for a, uh, a party in July, late okay. July, for my my nephew. The post his post quarantine birthday party. He's calling it. Oh, okay. Uh, so hopefully, nice. hopefully he's that's correct in his timeline. But anyway, uh, yeah, someone wrote and said, "Shouldn't birthday be in front of post quarantine? Isn't that more important?" And he's like, "Nope." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, but she said, "I don't want to have to. I don't want to go to the cabin and not be able to eat chips." And I was like, "Yeah, that's not so much fun." Yeah, that's rough. You don't want to have to go some to a, to a thing and then be like, "Oh, I can't eat that. I can't eat this." And I don't know. Ugh. Yeah. No, just go have fun. Yeah, you can have and you can have a cheat day or two. It's okay. It's okay. Sure. That's that's fine. Sure. Yeah. yeah, she got really tired. She said, "It uh, does things to you." Yeah, it mm. does things to you. I've I've done it uh, briefly, and it was not uh, it was not my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> uh, and my I have family members who have done it as well. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's rough for the first, especially the first little while. Mm. And then I've I've cooked for you know, people who, uh, who are, you know, are doing that as well. So I do enjoy, I, something I do enjoy actually is when people have uh, food restrictions. I'm sorry that they have food restrictions, but it's like, if someone's coming to my place and it's like, it's time for dinner, we're having dinner. And there's like, yeah, five people and two of them have uh, food restrictions. It's like, oh, this is a challenge. I quite enjoy this. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, I do actually. That's it's funny. Like, oh, okay. All right. All right. I'm going to work our way around to this. Okay. We'll make this make sense. That's funny. I see. I didn't enjoy that. I mean, Eve had a friend who was a vegetarian. And that was fine. I didn't mind that at all. That was very easy to cook around, you know. But then she became a, a vegan, and it was much harder because mm. it's, you know, we're not. And so, you know, so much of our cooking and so much of what we eat is is not, you know, is, has dairy and has, um, yeah. you know. And so it was re- really difficult. In fact, I eventually I just had to say, she's always welcome to come over, but she needs to tell me what she wants to eat because I cannot think of anything. So let me know. Let me know what you want and I will cook yeah. it for you. But I can't, I just, I don't know. Cause I, it's not, and I think if you grew up with a child who is vegan, you know, then you have to kind of work, work around that. And you, you, you know, you would just kind of like adapt over time. But when it's someone who comes over every month or whatever, it's harder to, to suddenly just change everything you do for one meal. You know, she's like, I don't yeah. know what to make. Yeah. I'm actually shocked. Like I cooked, uh, uh, the holiday meal this this year, and uh, okay. I'm I'm shocked now that I'm thinking about it that no one had any restrictions. That's very weird for for our family. Usually, you know, at least two people or three people are vegetarian slash vegan mm. slash keto slash this slash that. <laughs> Maybe they all just decided, ah, eh, it's fine, it's fine for today. Maybe that's what they decided to do. My cousin no, became I- a vegetarian in her teens. But she always brought her own meal when she she would come over for Thanksgiving or for Christmas. Okay. So she'd just bring over what she was going to eat, and she'd just heat it up and eat with us. But that was, yeah. And I guess that's one way to to help. And things have gotten, like, way better for vegetarian meals, even mm-hmm. vegan meals. Yeah. Like, like to the point where, like, uh, occasionally I, I'd, I'd go and I'd eat at, oh, what the heck is the... Um, the, the big vegetarian restaurant here in, uh, in in Vancouver. It's the really hippie hippie place. It's open twenty four hours. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, when I say that, uh, <laughs> I know it's near it's near UBC. Anyway, it's the one where you just go like, yeah, that sounds fine. The ravishing radish. Sure, let's go. Let's go with that. I'm just again, you know, uh, back when I was a when I was a kid, I wouldn't mind that I've forgotten this uh, name, but now <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. Um, but uh, yeah, so you go there and you like. 
oh, all right, let's get some vegetarian food. So this is going to be fine. And you look at the menu and just go, oh, no, this is vegetarian food from the 80s. Oh, really? They haven't really changed much. Mm. Like, oh, dear. Oh, no. Oh, no. And yeah, yeah, you get like, I'll have a veggie burger. But it's like, you know, man, vegetarian burgers have gotten so good that this bunch of walnuts held together with broken dreams. <laughs> no, sir. And, and, and sap. Like, no, this is. Uh, <clears throat> Dear Lord, no. That, that reminds me, when I was when I had cancer, I had to go on a vegetarian diet. Really? The burger isn't as bad as cancer. I don't no, want to no, no, no. I don't just, want to compare the burger to cancer. I just forgot about that. And that was okay. early 90s. And yeah, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of uh, variety. Especially if you went out for dinner. There wasn't, you know, you, I guess you could order a salad. But yeah, there wasn't like a lot of vegetarian options. Well, it's why I did have a garden burger. But you're right, it was just like kind of like a... Oh, the Nam. That's the name of the. Uh, oh, okay. The, I yeah. Ah, huh. Yeah, that restaurant was my Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, and then you go and like, I'll just have the salad. Okay. Well, uh, uh, so it comes with a green goddess dressing. Oh, that dressing that's so good, no one bottles it. That <laughs> it's not <laughs> made its way out of the vegetarian restaurants and into the stores. Everyone loves it so much. That we decided we don't ever want it aside from here. I mm. actually I like green goddess dressing. It's fine. It's, it's good. fine. But, it's good. But try find it in a store. Find it. It's for a cob salad. Well, it's okay. That's fine. But like, find it in a store if it's so great. And like, there's not <laughs> in, uh, it's like there's infinite other salad dressings. It's not like they forgot it. They just looked at it and went, no, no. I, I think it. This. It probably is just. I know. It probably doesn't travel very well, well or something. It's like tahini dressing, too. I don't think you can get tahini dressing in a... Can you get that bottled? You can get tahini. Can you? Okay. Forget yeah, it you can get tahini, yes. For sure. But I don't know if you can get tahini dressing. What is that? Just like tahini with like uh, olive oil? I don't really know. <laughs> to be honest with you, I've just had it. Okay. But I think they made it at uh, when, Lisa, Lisa, when Mary was at if, Camp Furcum. Okay. If you just mean tahini, then yeah, you can get tahini. That's no problem. That's an ingredient in quite a few recipes that I uh, that I that I make stuff with. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. It's but good. I don't think you can get it bottled as a as a dressing, though. Probably not as a dressing. Mm. No, I don't know why you would really tahini as a dressing. Pretty, now you're, now you're maybe I'm wrong. I, I could be mixing up the uh, mixing up two different things. Okay, now I'm looking up tahini dressing. Sorry, it uh, tahini. Oh, quite a few people do make tahini dressing, but I am not seeing it. Uh, for sale in any stores. There you go. Yeah. I'm not a liar. That, that would be a tahini dressing, would be. Uh, you get some tahini, some uh, lemon juice, Dijon mustard, maple syrup or honey, hmm. and a little bit of sea salt, and uh, mix that on up. Oh. That sounds pretty good. It does sound pretty good, doesn't it? It it's... sounds good if you just throw the tahini away as well. Like, all <laughs> that just on its own sounds good, right? Yeah, it does. That's mustard, it honey, does. lemon, uh, and, and, and salt and pepper. Yeah, that's fine. That would be fine on its own. Yeah, uh, Mary. What do you do with the tahini? <laughs> Mary's boyfriend Duncan makes a mean tahini dressing. <laughs> dressing. What's in a green goddess then? I don't really know. I, I do like it, but what is what is in it? A green goddess? Something, something okay. green, I imagine. Yeah, it would be definitely green goddess. Let me see. Green uh, goddess uh, dressing. I will find you that right away, my friend. Here we go. <laughs> uh, so uh, that would be uh, Greek yogurt. Oh. Gar- garlic. Okay. Uh, green onion. Okay. Sea salt and black pepper. That is a that is a ba- that's a basic one. Yeah. 
we're going to go a little more advanced for you. I don't know what's turning this green. Yeah, that's okay. what I and, and like every recipe, it's first, my father grew up on a fishing boat. Oh, who cares? Just get to the recipe. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> so for a little bit more advanced, we're going to take some anchovy paste. Mm. We're going to get a little gar- garlic clove. Okay. Uh, may- mayonnaise. Mm. Sour cream. Wow. Parsley. Quite a bit of parsley. This is going to green it up. Sure. Uh, an old favorite of yours, chopped tarragon. Mm, that's good. There you go. Uh, so a little bit of chives, lemon juice, and salt and black pepper to taste. Huh. That Maybe. sounds fine. Not bad. Again, it's mayonnaise. It's mayonnaise and herbs. You're fine. <laughs> I'm making tacos tonight, and I'm going to do a sour cream and chive uh, kind of a dressing to put on it. And uh, that's sour cream and chives. A little bit of water. Yeah. There you go. That sounds good. Really, yeah, it sounds it sounds really good. Simple. There you are. It's fine. <laughs> What do you put in your tacos? What else do you put in your tacos? Um, well, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have beans. Uh, we're gonna have like red kidney beans. I'm gonna mush up, cook, uh, huh. put a little onion onion in there before I, I put the onion in with a little bit of butter. Then I put in the uh, then I put in the beans. Uh, cook that up, mush it up uh, separately. Cooking some ground beef, put a little spices into that. We're gonna put some lettuce, uh, salsa. Uh, if I can make if the avocados are ripe enough, guacamole. I'll put a little bit of this sour cream uh, sauce on it, some uh, some shredded cheddar cheese, and some uh, hot sauce. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, a little bit of rice. How about yourself? Well, this, we just have like a plain ground beef mm-hmm. with with you know the with the spices, and then um, and then I like uh, I prefer cheese, onions, lettuce, and tomato with uh, salsa or hot sauce. The girls like to have uh, sour cream with it as well, which I I'm not that keen on. Now, what is your uh, what is your hot sauce of choice uh, for um, Mexican food? I like the tapatio. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And uh, yeah, it's it's always good. I usually just throw it on, even if I put some salsa on as well as t- uh, tomatoes. But I find with tomatoes, you don't really need salsa because the tomatoes are the same thing, <laughs> basically. I want to say that the one that we use is. Uh, Called Chocula, and of course it's not because that's Count Chocula. <laughs> but uh, Cholula, that's what it is. Oh, okay, yeah. it has a lady it's on got, there. It's got the nice lady on. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's 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 nice. It's got a nice lady. And mine has a nice, nice. Mine has a nice gentleman. Oh, I hope they get together at some point. But you know, if you if you're in the point. states, if you're in the states, you can't get it in Canada. But um, Doritos make a tapatio flavored uh, corn chip. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I do. They're really like good. As well, uh, the little restaurant that I haven't been able to go to for three months uh, around my corner uh, has that with their breakfast uh, okay. potatoes. And it's very, yeah, it's very nice. It's very nice. Yeah, it's a good uh, flavor, but you can't get it in Canada, but you can get it in in the states. So if you like, if you like a hot, if you like a hot chip, I recommend Doritos Tapatios. So good job, uh, America, on that one. That's right. Yes, that's you got right. That, you got that going for you. Mm-hmm. Now just get the other stuff together. And it's gonna <laughs> be right. just fine. You guys can create tapatio flavored Doritos. You can work miracles. I um I was asked to do the uh the Dirty Harry Minute uh podcast. Oh good. And not to do a minute mm. from, but but to do like a different thing that they asked me to do, kinda of talking about something for five minutes and oh then my submit gosh. it. What's I that? I was asked to do that too. When were you asked? Uh, I was asked to do it last week. Probably because I didn't respond. Oh, is that the way we're going to play it? Okay, well, so um, so I'm second choice. (laughs) I just want to apologize because I've just been really busy and I meant to um, get on to that. 
you possibly might get this back again because uh, I decided like uh, to watch. Uh, I decided to watch it, of course. Yeah, you know, good idea. Seen it in a while, so watch watch it again and watch it again, and it was just like. Boy, this is a bad. I can't think of a worse week to watch this. <laughs> you know, where there's you know uh, police violence against people, or just like you know, it's just uh, it's just that kind of. Uh, it's like, uh, here's a cop who doesn't give a damn, and here he is, and he's torturing people, and he's doing this stuff, and yeah. it's just like, uh, well, I don't. The movie, I don't know what this is. the movie sets it up in such a way that you you're kind of you're sympathetic to what he's trying to get done, like you understand what's what he's doing but yeah it's really like a super loaded movie you know and it's yeah. all, it's all it's all designed to make him to make him sympathetic even though he's being a brute throughout the film well he'd be a monster in any other movie but the problem is yeah. well, not the problem is the solution is <laughs> we're gonna make we're gonna make the uh, villain yes just completely evil he's so on villainous a, on every level with no no sense of like nothing like there's no point where you know you normally have this villain in a modern movie, yeah, uh, sit down with his mother at some point and go, "Ma, I'm going to get you the money you need for this," like something, <laughs> right? Or, or no. he'd, go, he'd go to a high school reunion and people would make fun of him, <laughs> or he'd go to his he'd go to his day job and his boss would yell at him, or something, and we go like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I guess I can see why he's all no, like he's just independently wealthy and and has committed all of his funds to evil like yeah. outrageous evil and it's like yeah okay in this kind of crazy world yeah dirty harry makes a lot of sense well, okay it's, sure it's obviously like a con uh conflation of the um uh the zodiac killer Mm-hmm. And Charles Manson, basically. Well, later they called him Scorpio, but I don't think they actually call him Scorpio in the movie. But you know, I think he's, they, he signs his letter as Scorpio. Oh, does he? All right, yeah. then he is Scorpio. So it's, it's a zodiac sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and um, uh, yeah, it's an interesting film. And the other interesting thing about it, I think, is that the next movie, Magnum Force, which I actually think is a better movie, is is kind of it kind of tilts the pendulum goes the other way where. Dirty Harry is up against a rogue killer cops mm-hmm. who he has to take down. And so it kind of, it kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a weird thing where it's kind of, you know, gives with one hand and takes away with from the, you know what I mean? Like it's the sort, the sort of like pendulum from this to this, like super extreme. And then the fact that the movie Dirty Harry opens with a, with like this uh, plaque, I guess it's in the police station in San, like the police department or whatever in San Francisco yeah. of all these uh, policemen who've been killed in the line of duty and it kind of has a sort of roll call of these people who've given their lives as police police right and so it's kind of like a salute the police and then like the police that they choose to like show in the movie is just like this this brutal uh you know callous you know guy you know equal opportunity offender of, of everyone and it's just like you're like oh well i guess this is the real celebration of the police but what is it it's weird it's a weird thing yeah it's a, it's it is a very it is a very strange film like the and and the cartoonishness of the villain has to keep upping yeah. you know so that so that you know like he's got literally like well he when he's captured 
he is screaming, I got rights! I got rights! And I'm going to, you know, it's basically like, yeah, I'm yeah. going to call the ACLU. Yeah, That's yeah. who I'm going to call. And the liberals are going to get me off. You'll see all them liberals. That's what I think. It's basically you know it. Yeah, yeah. I believe a woman has a right to her own body and whatever she wants to do. And I'm all for gay marriage. No problem with that at all. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Except he's killing gay people, but yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> It's weird. It's a weird film. It really is. There's like a no theme too to his killings. Like it's yeah, not yeah. like he doesn't pick a theme. Like the first one is like he kills a, a lady swimming. It's yeah. like almost like Jaws. Yeah. You know, it's just like yeah, he killed her. Okay. Well, how do you how do you feel about that? Eh. Do I feel good? Do I feel bad? Do I feel? It's just like it's disturbing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you know, and then Dirty Harry's doing all his Dirty Harry type stuff, like to the point where it like wraps up with him jumping on a bus. It, 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 like he just becomes superhuman at the end after you know being horribly injured yeah I'm like okay but he never seems to actually have a plan like uh, i don't know <laughs> and then at the end of the film he's so disgusted with the legal system he throws away his badge but then by the next film uh, we've ignored that and he's mm-hmm. just back a cop he's back he it doesn't show him like changing his mind 15 minutes later having to undress and climb swim out into the pond to find his badge that he threw in there and also by the way like, why do you have to throw the why do you have to throw the badge away? Like, this is a guy who, uh, you know, kidnapped a bunch of kids. I like, know. it's symbolic. It's, I think it's, it's not. It's about. It's not about. It's about the system's broken. Like he shouldn't have had to, to do that, right? Like Scorpio should never have been allowed out. The system, this broken system that keeps cops from being able to do their job. That's okay. the problem. I'm getting rid of my. I'm throwing my badge away. Okay. I guess so. I don't know. It's it's a. And I think so, it's a so very possible. interesting movie. Like I think, like in terms, like as it's a sociological thing, I think it's very interesting. And as a as a piece of movie making, it is fantastic. No, no, it's look, it's very, it's well done. Exactly. Yeah. It's like you know, it, you to can the make... point where scenes are just ripped off now directly from it. Yeah, yeah, like directly from it, like Die Hard three. That whole running from phone to phone. Bit yeah, yeah, yeah. Is like that's well, that's just a straight lift from mm-hmm. this film. But to me, it's like it's got a point to make. Yeah. But unfortunately, the point it, it makes is, you know, like just one character is right and the other character is completely wrong. Yeah. And like everything is like there's yeah. no counter argument. There's no, you know, maybe it did go a bit too far. Harry. <laughs> like there's not even not even. Oh, and also I like uh, I like off the top where he's like eating at the hot dog place and you look through the window and play Misty for me is playing in the background. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey. Wait a minute. What if you went to see that movie? What would happen? <laughs> Did you see yourself in that movie? If, uh, if you he went to see himself in that movie, then it would be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. Um, and by the way, Andy Robinson, who plays Scorpio, is Edward G. Robinson's son. Or, yeah, son. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there's a scene. It's Edward, there. Edward G. Robinson, right? Not Edgar G. Anyway, I can't, I can't remember. Edward G. Robinson. Yeah, That's correct. Yeah. Uh, I like, too, that he gets uh, the Holy Hell kicked out of him uh like he gets a guy to do that and yeah then, yeah yeah and he's just he turns into like the toxic avenger like he is just six kinds of a mess <laughs> like the worst yeah. and then it feels like you know four days later he's got a little bandage on his nose <laughs> like, what's this about you're just mutilated by this guy like what's that you know, just by your own argument of just like the cop beat me to the point of this, like no, nah, it's fine. 
again, I don't want to like over talk about it because it's someone else's podcast now and it's up to them. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, what they want me to talk about. It feels difficult to uh, to talk about it without bringing up what's going on right now. Mm. Uh, but uh, and and that's not what this is about. You know, this movie is a is a cartoon. Yeah, this movie is just an over the top cartoon. And then it, I didn't I don't remember the enforcer. I remember the one with uh, Time Daily. Oh, that, is the enforce, that? that is the enforcer. Was it? Oh, okay. The ending stunk then to me, that one. Yeah, um, I agree. And then you got Sudden, Sudden Impact, where we're now going full full cartoon. <laughs> yeah. And then dead the Deadpool, which, whoa! Okay. Uh, you know. Yeah, the first two films are, are, are well done. The second film has a script by John John Melias, who would later do Conan the Barbarian. But, oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. But, um, you know what? I, don't think I've, I don't think I've ever seen Conan the Barbarian. Oh, it's not bad. Not well, bad. I'll throw that out there for our, uh, for our Fansplainers podcast. <laughs> yeah. Anyone wants me to watch Conan the Barbarian, let me know. Uh, I'll watch I don't Red know Sonic. if it's available. I, part of our rule is it has to be available on uh, on a popular streaming service. So I don't know. Okay, uh, Conan uh, or Conan the Destroyer, uh, Red Sonja, any any of the trilogy. I have not seen Red Sonja. I don't think I've, I've, I've only seen the no first one. No one's no one's seen it. Even the actors who were in it have not <laughs> seen all of Red Sonja. Oh dear. Yeah. I know people have worked on the Red Sonja comic who have not seen the Red Sonja mm. movie. Why would they? How could they? Yeah. It would be impossible. Well, I don't think there's any point because really, if you're going to do Red Sonja, you should probably read the books rather than try and get source material from a movie that also got used the books as the source. But Now, in the books, uh, is she a spinoff of uh, Conan in the books as well? I, honestly, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know anything about... Uh, I never, I've never read any Robert E. Howard books. Okay. I think that's who did Conan. Oh, no, that's not Conan. Isn't that... That's uh... Howard. Howard is correct. Oh, am, am I right? I think so. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, Robert E. Howard. Yeah. Oh, man. Amazing. I pulled that up out of nowhere. Maybe I oh, am... Wait. A... No, 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 no. Oh. No, sir. No, sir. Oh, sorry. Red Sonja was not uh, created... Uh, well, I didn't uh, say she was. I said, I said Conan. Conan was. Red Sonja was created by Roy Thomas and Barry Windsor Smith. Oh, that's right. Because um, she... Um... Davidson parodies her in uh, in Cerebus. but it's partially based on Robert E. Howard's characters, uh, Red Sonia of Rogatino and uh, Dark Agnes de Chastelon. Dark Agnes, ooh, that sounds uh, wow. Well, how how is it not you know how's how it not say, based on Red Sonia when you take the name? Yeah, you call it like I maybe I think I think probably that would be one of those situations where the name Red Sonia was a great name. So yeah. they used the name Red Sonia, but it wasn't the character of uh, okay. Red Sonia. Yeah, yeah. Probably wasn't wearing the uh, chain mail and uh, all the other business. Oh, lordy. <laughs> the pinching chain Oh, sorry. Mail. Scale mail. My mistake. Oh, is sorry. It snail mail. Yeah, she wears some snail mail uh, on herself. <laughs> she covers herself in, uh, in envelopes. Postcards. Mm-hmm. Wow. Red Sonia. Here she comes. Read all yeah. about it. Yeah, not... Uh, Yes, yes, but I would recommend. I would recommend that you see uh, Magnum Force, though. It is quite. It's kind of long, but it's it's a good movie. I think I well, it's the one with Tyne Daly, right? No, that's the Enforcer. Oh, oh, okay, all right. That's the third one. That's the third film. Magnum Force is the second film. Okay, I'll give it a. Here's the thing too. It has David Soul in it. If that will sell you anything. Hey, that reminds me. There's an episode of Starsky and Hutch I remember seeing as a kid, where they throw away their badges because they're (laughs) disgusted by. By whatever some some something I can't remember now, but I just remembered that element of it because as a kid I was like, "Was well, the show over? 
And then like the next the next week started and they're like please still and I was like well what what, what about their badges they threw away what is going on? But well, they, don't, they don't need those stinking badges. <laughs> that's, right. that's what that guy told them. And yeah. and then and then when I saw Dirty Harry later I was like oh okay that's where they got it from. Once again just wholesale ripoff from this this movie that's yeah that's kind of reprehensible but at the same time so well made that <laughs> you can't yeah. believe it. Like Don Siegel, the director, is such a good director, and then it has that great Lalo Schifrin score, and Clint Eastwood's, you know, great in it. You know, yep. that his laconic style works so well in that character. You know, and yeah, it's a, it's a very, very good film. I, uh, Pauline Kael hated it, of course, called it fascist. But, uh, <laughs> not, not wrong. No, not... no, it's, it's, so, it's, it's... Is, is it fascist if yeah. Because fascist, you have to then have the government be behind it. You have to have the organization behind it. And he's kind of a rogue agent yeah, in the government. Yeah, yeah. The government is constantly saying to him, don't do this. But I think, don't. The, I think the movie itself is promoting the idea that police should be able to act like Dirty Harry mm. without, with, with less, uh, con- less, to, less controlling their actions and more free to, to crush criminals legs to get information from them you know and criminals are just uh maniacs they're just complete maniacs which of course in the the movie it seems fine because you know he's buried a a girl and dirty harry wants to know where she is and he tortures this guy to get that information so you're like you're like well you know i understand because he wants to save this girl but it's such an extreme example of course it seems reasonable then but is it reasonable for a policeman to then torture someone to find out where the money is that they stole? Well, no, but you know, once you say yes to one, you know, you open a door to all kinds of things. And well, the other problem with that is when when they first get the evidence that the girl has been kidnapped. Yeah, you know, they get the tooth and like, oh boy, like they just go so far with like, uh, this happened to her and this happened to her, and then yeah. here's her tooth. It's like, okay, enough, God <laughs> damn. All right, but then uh, Dirty Harry says, uh, you know, she's dead, right? And like, oh, you should be. That should be it. Like, Dirty Harry should be the only one who's not rushing at this point. Yeah. Because Dirty Harry should be like, no, she's dead. Yeah. Like, I know this guy. I know this guy. He is a, a piece of crap, and he's uh, he's he's killed her. There's no reason for me to run from thing to thing. Yeah. And that's how I'm different from the other cops because I understand the mentality of this scumbag. But then he's like, where is she? And like, well, he thinks that she's still alive, so he doesn't believe the thing that he said before. It's like, well, all right. Now you're just well. You're just, he's just going. He is. He's being safe. I get it. Yeah, I mean, he's but just because he sh- this guy. He's, he's. You know, like I could. Let's say he's probably ninety percent certain that she's dead. But this guy's saying she isn't. Where is she then? So it's just weird with a guy who's such a straight shooter. Who's like, you know, nah, she's dead. I'm just telling you, she's dead. <laughs> it's like, okay, then let's go with that. Let's go with that idea. So if he thinks. She's dead. What? How does he? How does he now run things? But yeah, but, like, but he still has to. He still has to act as if she isn't dead. But that's the problem. Is like you've got a guy who wants to play games. Yeah. And Derby Harry should be the guy who just goes, "I ain't playing your game." You know, you got to run from here to here and do this, and then wear this hat. No. <laughs> I'm going to shoot you. You can't shoot me. I got rights. Blam. Hey, you shot me, but I got rights. Yeah, she's dead. I don't care about that. I'm just taking you in. Like, oh, okay. And it's like he's a guy who doesn't uh, doesn't go for that bullshit. Yeah. That would make sense. But instead he's, you know. Well, I mean, it makes sense. But at the same time, you don't want to be the guy who's like, she's dead. And then I arrested the guy. Well, what about the girl? She's dead. And then it turns out, oh, she wasn't dead. But now she is. Oops. But it's... 
is Harry wrong about anything through this whole thing? Except, <laughs> except of course, for trusting the police department. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the police department got off on a technicality. <laughs> yeah, he skated. skated. He got off. Well, he got, he got off because uh, Harry crushed soon his leg that right. was injured. And how about, how about this, too? Like, with that, uh, and again, we are apparently talking about Dirty Harry now. Yeah. Um, why why is the press not all over this like nobody's business because it feels it feels like all right so there was a girl who was kidnapped and she was found nude in a tunnel yeah and you know and the person was 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 caught yeah and he he sent in a tooth and he did all this stuff and made a cop run and do all this stuff like well someone's gonna leak that to the press like even the even the family's gonna like leak that to the press. Like that, how are they not covering that? And and so what, what would the public feel about this? Well, that obviously is a maniac who killed this girl. Oh, what well, were they letting him go? Oh, and and the press is fine with this, and the public's fine with this. There there's no reaction to that at all. Like, well, that's not what the movie's about. But I, I mean, I, but I, I imagine there could be, but. It exists in the world. It does, like, but so, but what do you want them to sit to have someone reading the newspaper and go look the. The paper's upset about it. Yeah, the paper would be upset about it. People are on Harry's side. Yeah. Like, instead, Harry's just completely alone. And and that's where it, like, comes across as, you know, bullshit. It's like, he's just the one guy who's just like, oh, I'm the only one who cares about this. I'm going to go, uh, you know. It's like, all right. Which which I know dramatically is, a, is a, like, every yeah. every time it's, it's they've got to set something up dramatically, they go the easiest route, which is, you know, hey, how about Harry, that last guy that you, you just shot? You know, you got in trouble for doing that. Yeah, well, when I see a guy running down an alley with a hard on carrying a butcher knife, you know, I don't think, you know, I was like, okay. Okay, fine. This is extreme. These are extreme examples. That's how you make it easy. Yeah, just saying that is like, well, how did Harry get in trouble for that? Like, like, there's a guy with a butcher knife. Yeah, then you shoot him. That's but, just standard. But that's what I mean. You're falling I don't care for the. About his you're falling for care. the movies. You're falling for the movies. It's it's you know the movies. Uh, it's polemical you know tactics of you know of creating this sort of black and white thing where you know it's either it's either this extreme or that extreme. There's no. There's well, no they middle just make ground up their to own it. Rule. Yeah, they got to make, make up their, their own rules. rules. It's just that they they, they just do. they just make it up. Like they're just they're just creating these like extreme situations where your yeah. your obvious reaction has to be, well, I'm not in favor of that. Like you know, so cops get in trouble for shooting guys with butcher knives who are yeah. about to like you know attack a woman. Uh, no, they don't. If you're a, if there's a naked guy with a butcher knife, the, the, done. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Who's who's mad about that? Who's su- who's suing that? Not, no one is. That's fine. You're great. But that was what that was the big thing that Harry got in trouble. For, yeah, yeah. Was shooting that guy. I know. It's like, but that's what yeah. the, that's what the movie's that's why the movie's setting it's setting itself up, right? It's part of its setup that right. that we're supposed to like we're supposed to feel it's like building our sense of outrage throughout the film, right? Where it's we get more and more outraged by everything that's going against. It's obvious to us. Like this is obvious. Say, this guy is a this the Scorpio guy. He's a cheater. He's a liar. He's and I'd say the subtext, but it's not subtext. It's literal text. It's like <laughs> if the cops could just do anything they wanted, exactly, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have this many dead police on the wall. Yeah. of of uh, you know of the station. Yeah. If only you would let them shoot the guys with hard ons <laughs> and butcher knives and not go. Well, I gotta wrestle them. 
that's the rules, and I guess I better take off my clothes to be fair, you know, because that's what the liberals want. I want to see that. Exactly. Nah. This is exactly it's how the movie stupid. works. And it's brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant at doing that. Like, it's a really well-made movie. Like, you just have to be careful when you watch it that you you stand back from it and you watch it as an observer of of you know of rhetoric you know you're watching something that is like like i say it's a polemical piece it's trying to like create a situation to put apart put a, across a rather conservative idea of how <laughs> how police should work right yeah because so. they're all maniacs other uh, <laughs> and, yeah. and they never as police officers ever ever do this of like uh so this person's going around uh, killing people mm-hmm why do you think he's doing that? What do you think the motive is? Because <laughs> there's no motive. It's just, yeah. oh, he's just scum. Oh, man. He's just it's, he's scum that likes to kill people. It's so really ahead of itself, isn't it? Because that's, like, basically, like, that classic mystery has gone gone the way of the dodo now. Like, when you read a, a modern mystery novel or a modern detective fiction or whatever, this sort of whoever, Jay Jantz or those other people, how come that her name popped in my head, but I can't think of anyone else. Um, Kellerman, um, that's there's two of them. There's a woman Kellerman and a guy Kellerman who write who write novels, and there's other people too. Kathy Rikes, all those books. It doesn't matter who they are. All these people who write these books nowadays, none of the stories have like have a setup where the murderer has like a motive and a, some sort of plan to what they're doing. You know, like. They want money, or they're hiding, they're covering up some past misdeed, or something like that. Some, you know, some sort of motive for the murder. Nowadays, it's just they're crazy. You know, their dad beat them with a belt. Now they hang people from the by the neck. Their yeah. mom beat them with a hockey hockey <clears throat> stick. Now, now they they kill a person and put a puck in their mouth. <laughs> now, you know what I mean? It's all, but there's never a reason for it. They're all just crazy, and that's just always. Yeah. And so it could be anyone in the story. You just have to like read the book. And then in the end of the story, near the end, the killer like finally goes off the rails and then they reveal themselves because they're crazy. And then they just kind of have a, you know, like fugue state, uh, mania, mania, you know, mania time. And then, you know, and then like, you know, pull a Ted Bundy in the, in the, in the girl's dorm thing. And then, and then, you know, oh, they're the, they're the killer. They've gone crazy. We got to stop this person. Mm-hmm. But there's never like a motive. It's never like, you know, like it's something as clever as say knives out where you have like motives and people have different reasons for what they might've been the person who did this because, you know, they need this or they'd have that going on in their lives or what, you know, whatever, you know, they need money. They, they're, they're angry. They feel betrayed, whatever. There's all kinds of different reasons for, 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 for murder. But in modern detective fiction, it seems like, I don't even want to call it detective fiction, modern crime fiction, that just seems to have been thrown out the window. And now it's just always a crazy guy, a crazy person. What was I watching just a little while ago? Oh, it was a mystery show Lisa was watching. And so this person was killing all these people because he was secretly in love with his teacher, like a professor that he worked for. Mm-hmm. And he felt like they were they were had betrayed him, had betrayed his professor, the person that he admired so much. And so then he was just killing all these people and he's crazy. And you're like, okay, <laughs> that's there's why, why can't there be a motive? You know, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, ah, it's so, you know, 
But that I wonder if that movie kind of started that that trend of just like yeah this sort of well I guess like serial killers also have that kind of feeling to them too where there's there's no motive to it it's just you know it's just madness they're just killing people and then you know and they just keep killing until we catch them you know I just I just think of like all the old timey movies where the whole thing like the James Cagney movies where the whole thing is why is he doing this? And it's all, it's all building up to, you know, him getting shot on a roof, but it's, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, the, it's the little corruptions, the little corruptions, the, you know, the building, the building, the building till, yeah. yeah, now you're the, now you're public enemy number one. And this is a, you did it and you're here. Yeah, and then, you know, justice has to, you know, prevail at the end, I guess. Yeah. Like, well, that was, that was the, the Hayes office rule at the time. Crime. Right. There couldn't people, you know, the criminal, the bad person in the movie couldn't, could not succeed. They had to pay for the, pay for their misdeeds but yeah i mean but those are gangster movies i mean that's kind of explicable i mean they're just they want money and they want easy money and power and here it is yeah exactly get swept up Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. i mean to me again like uh, this is my problem with batman for the most part is you know going uh going with like what's the deal with the villain well they're crazy (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and uh, wait how many of his villains are crazy well pretty much all of them (laughs) all of them you say (laughs) None of them are just in it for the cash. <clears throat> oh no, they're just mostly mentally ill. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got a bit of a problem with him beating them all up then, but because they're all mentally ill. Uh, but all right. But wouldn't you say that's a relatively new take on it? Because I, if you watch, well, in ba- I'll tell you exactly when the Batman thing happened. The Batman thing happened, I believe, in 1974. It was a Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams comic, yeah. and that was the first one that had. Uh, you know, the Joker's being sent to Arkham Asylum and it wasn't being sent to prison. Okay. That's where the Joker would be sent before then. And then I think like they decided, oh yeah, they all just get sent to Arkham Asylum. <laughs> That's where they all go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So they're all, uh, they're all madmen. You know, it's like, okay, is that better? It, it seems much, <laughs> it seems much, much worse. Cause if you watch um, the old Batman TV show, like it feels like the, the criminals in that are, they're like, they're criminals. They know what they're doing. They're just kind of flamboyant, yeah, and fun. But you know, like Batman is, like Bat, they yeah, like Batman is. Dress up. They yeah. all dress up. They have themes, yeah, and they fight each other. They're almost like a sports team. But they, like, but, they but they all they 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 have like plans that are like coherent, and they like they want to break into a museum and steal some valuable artifact, or they want to like break right. into a bank and take money or whatever. Batman wants to get the cat's eye diamond. Yes. Yeah. Penguin wants to get the icicle diamond. Yes. And so, it, it. you know, yeah. And so their characters have like, like, but I guess, I mean, part of the problem, well, part of it is sort of the heightened element of, of our time, I guess, as well. And then just the fact that you've written, these stories have been told and retold so often that you, you're looking for a new angle every, every couple of years. And so I guess that's the new angle. Well, let me, let They're me give crazy. a tip, tip. Let me give a tip to any 1960s Batman villains. Uh, if you're, if you guys are listening and deciding to fight Batman at any point in the future, <laughs> okay. uh, get more than two goons. Mm. Like you always get two good. Like I know sometimes you're like, we're going to get four goons. Yeah. All right. But that's the highest end of goons that you've got. And, and look, I'm, uh, some of them are a little tubby. Some are a little <laughs> tubby. Some of them are not really in the best of shape. There's some real skinny guys there. Get some guys with some muscles on them. Get some muscles. And get more than four of them, and you've beaten Batman and Robin. Because honestly, they can handle two goons at a time. Tops. Uh, yeah. Tops. And often, they get caught anyway and get tied up. So look, you got five goons. Hey, man, spring for it. Go six goons. 
the end. That's the end of Batman. You've done it. You beat Batman. Don't be cheap. This is your problem. <laughs> You're too thrifty. Way you too thrifty. Arch villains. But here's the other thing. I don't think you should be giving advice to criminals. Why is that? Because they're criminals. Like they don't. You don't want to be helping criminals. Mm. You should be helping Batman. That's like when people are talking about Adolf Hitler and they go like, you know what Hitler should have done? He shouldn't have gone into to to the into Russia. That was his mistake. Like he should have like skipped Stalingrad completely and continued on to the Caucasus and got the oil there. And you're like, well, I guess he should have done that, but should he? Like, is that a good thing that he had like done something like smart? Isn't it better that he like got stuck in this giant tar baby of the USSR and like lost the war? Isn't that, doesn't that mm. seem like everything went as it should have gone? Isn't that like better? <laughs> let's not let's not go into the past and start trying to give him advice. Yeah. Hitler baby, let me tell you what you should be doing. Okay, fine. I won't. I won't give Hitler baby any advice. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> fair fair enough. Um, uh, side side topic. Okay. This is a side topic. There was something that kind of came up uh, today online, and I wanted to bring this up with you and see what you thought. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's one of these. It may be a little heavy, but you tell me. <laughs> sure. You tell me, Jack. All right. Because uh, we're not af- we're not afraid. We're not afraid of nothing. We're not afraid of no ghosts. That's <laughs> g- what we g- say. Ghost. That's right. Uh, we're not afraid of no st- stammers. <laughs> um, I uh, I, ca- I occasionally get uh, messages from like a. We both went to North Delta Senior Secondary School. Mm, you and I. Yes. Uh, one year uh, one year difference between the two of us. It's true. Um, what and, a difference uh, a year makes. Oh, such a, such a difference. It means you leave a year earlier than me. Um, ideally. Ide- ideally. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Um, but, uh, but people uh, on, on one of the pages uh, were just, they're just putting up like old photos of yeah. uh, teachers and what have you. Yeah. And they had one of a, of a, of a, a teacher we both know who was an English teacher. And uh, it was like, uh, here's Mr. Da 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 da, you know, hanging around with the girls. And it's from like 1972, the picture. And it's just hanging out there and chatting to teenage girls. And like, well, yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then everyone starts telling their stories about, you know, how tough he was on them. And uh, generally it's like, you know, but that was a good thing. And, and then, and then one of them uh, writes about, yeah, I was, uh, I was, uh, I skipped out of a class. So, he told me we're going to the principal's office, and we went to the we went to the principal's office, and this is like mid eighties. Yeah, and we went to the principal's office, and he grabbed my wrists and he slapped my hands like uh, harder than I thought, you know, than I expected. It was mm. very painful, uh, and uh, and then uh, you know he told me you got to get your act together, and you know this this this, and she took this as uh, you know now as and I did, and I got my act together. And I really appreciated that he did that. Hmm. Okay. And my my take on that is, uh, well, that was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> she's still she's still of the feeling that like, no, this was good. I needed that. Yeah. And and my thing is, well, you don't you don't hit a student. Yeah. You don't like you know you're a you're a grown man with all the power. Yeah. You don't grab a girl's wrists and like take your hand back and hit it uh, to a surprising pain level mm. uh any any level frankly but like a surprising pain level and then and then read her the riot act and then and then send her into thing like i'm just picturing like because you know and and this is the cheap thing that you that you do and just go like i've got a niece who's about that age yeah and i'm just picturing if i saw a teacher grab her wrists and slap her hand i'm not a violent person 
but I am putting him through a wall. Like, there's no way that I'm not. The next thing isn't me grabbing his jacket and like and and pulling him pulling him to the side, and then we're having a very intense conversation. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, she's remembering this as like a positive thing, hmm. and uh, and uh, I just wanted to know what you uh, what do you thought of that? Well, I actually know what you're talking about because I also saw the picture. Yeah. And it actually surprised me quite a bit. And it surprised me to such a degree that I wonder if her memory is playing tricks on her. Because it doesn't feel like that was something that could have happened in the atmosphere of North Delta, senior secondary, in terms of like how teachers were expected to behave. Especially in, like an, in the office to do that. Because like, she describes him as taking her into the office. Right. And then doing that. It doesn't feel like that's something that would... that could have happened and i have to say this teacher i really am disturbed by this story because i really admired this teacher a lot like right i have to say that he was my favorite teacher at at that school in terms like in terms of classes that i liked and he was a very strict teacher he was a very tough teacher if you came late to his class the doors were closed and he did not open them for you no matter how you pleaded or begged or whatever right. at, the, at, the, at the at the door that all feels very, but that within the boundaries of being a teacher. Okay, mm-hmm. that's still fair. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, um, it's one of my favorite stories, actually, because um, I took English Lit with him. And, you know, it was right up my alley as a, as a class, of course. And he was a sort of teacher who just brought the s- stories and stuff to life in front of us in the classroom. Like, he did something that I really, really liked, which is that he didn't have the class read Shakespeare out loud from their desk. He stood in front of the class, and there's a hammy element to it, obviously. But he was British, and he read Hamlet to us, to us in such a way that it made it great. And I remember mm-hmm. one thing that he did was, while he when he started reading it to us, he would he would read for a while, and as he was reading, you know, more and more, he would start interrupting himself to go and point to the window and go, "Look at that cloud over there. Does that cloud look like a whale, or does that cloud look like something else?" You know, and he pointed it, and we were, and everyone's like looking outside, like going, "What?" What is he talking about? Like, why does he keep interrupting the story? And then there's a part in Hamlet where Hamlet is pretending to be crazy. And he points outside and said, does that cloud look like a whale? And it brought the scene to life suddenly because he had, you know, sort of hinted at this thing with his little kind of asides reading up to this point in the book. And you're just like, ah, and it kind of like, you know, you know what I mean? Like just brought it. And, and yeah, it was, so in the class, we were expected to uh, keep a, a, a sheet of our marks. So as we got our tests and quizzes and whatnot, we would we had to write our our marks in our in this little this little grid, and then add it up at the end. And you know then and so then we had like a list of our marks and stuff like that. And so I was I was getting an A in the class, and then for our first term mark, so we got three. There were part cards during the during the the grade, uh, you know. So one in the, the you know what I mean. Anyway, so at the yeah. So I got my first report card and I had a, I got like a C minus or something like that, like some really low mark. And I was like, well, this is wrong. Cause I, so I went to him after class, I went up to, to him and I said, excuse me, I, you know, I just wanted to uh, see about this report card because I think I got the wrong mark. And he goes, oh, well, let me see your, your report sheet. And I, and of course I brought it up to him and he looks at it, looks it over. And of course, one of the things he had, I should say, of course, but one of the things he had said at the beginning of the class was, um, you know, I want you to keep a careful track of your marks and total it up at the end of, of the semester or an term. And if, but if I see that you haven't done that, I will drop you a grade point. And so he looks at my sheet, looks at all the marks and I got an A. 
But then he looks and he goes, oh, but you forgot to total it up. So I'm going to give you a B plus. And I was like, totally fair because I knew the rule and I still brought it up mm-hmm. to you without having done it. And I actually really appreciated that because I always appreciated as a student having a strict framework to work within. If I didn't have like, if someone asked me to do something and they don't give me like a, a timeline or like a sense of when they want it, I won't, I probably won't do it because I just, I don't know when it's due. I procrastinate, of course. And so I just, I do much better in classes with teachers like, like him, where it was very clear what our expectations were and what he wanted from us. And he, he really kind of, even though I was not a great student, uh, other than in English classes, he really took me under his wing. He really, really liked me. Um, I remember that was the first year that the uh, BC provincial exams came into being. And of course, at that time, they were worth, what, 75, 80% of our mark, some huge amount of our mark, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, you know, so we're basically doing 20% of our, of our mark was from our, our year or our, our semester long cl- uh, class. And then the rest of it was on this one time test that we took. And so the te- you know, teachers are kind of naturally worried about it and stuff like that. So he started like a study group. And if you wanted, you could go to his house after, you know, in the evening and he would, we would go over, th- go back over through all the stuff for the test. And so I took part in those evenings and partly because I really enjoyed the class. So it was just an excuse to like do more of the, what I was enjoying, but also I, you know, I kind of, I wanted to get a good mark. So, um, so I went, I went to the thing. So one night he's like, oh, David, I'm going to be late tonight. So I'm going to give you my house key. And if you wouldn't mind when, you, you know, coming early and letting everyone in, I'm like, oh, okay. I just thought, what a strange thing, right? Like he didn't know me, but he gave me his key. And maybe he knew me well enough to know that I wasn't the sort of person who would take advantage of that because I'm, I'm not. So, right. you know, I got there, I let everyone in, and then he came a bit later and, and we did our study and stuff like that. And then also he encouraged me to to do the honors part of the, even though I I wasn't like in no way in an honors uh, stream, he encouraged me to do the honors part of the provincial exam as well. Because I think He said, I think it'll be good for you and I think you really enjoy it. And I did. I had to write an essay on the. Um, I wrote an essay on the. Um, what are they called now? The metaphysical poets like John Donne and Andrew Marvel, and um, yeah. And so I just found. I thought he was a fantastic teacher who took, brought so much out of me. And so this story really disturbs me because I'm like, well, that's wrong. That's not a. That's not a good way to encourage students. That's you know the opposite of of how you seem to us, you know, or seem to me anyway. But I I had heard from other girls that told me that. Um, they're like, oh, he would look down our tops and things like that, you know, in class and things. But yeah, I, when I, I heard, heard, I heard that as well. Yeah. But I, often the ones who told me that were not like great students. So I often wonder, was this kind of sour grapes, that kind of thing where it is kind of like, I didn't like him. He didn't give me good marks. So he was a bad person. So I would say if, uh, two people say that, yeah, that happened. Yeah. I don't know. I'd say so. I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. First, I, I almost guarantee that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I mean, how many, how many, what what do you need? Yeah. What do you need, you know, at that point, at that point? And, and, and when you're saying like that, you think, uh, she might be remembering this wrong. Yeah. How, how, how could she remember that wrong? Like what, what element could be like a miss in that? She's, she's confusing him with another teachers that she had. Could think? be that or, or just, or that she's just kind of conflated the sort of stories the sort of built up in her mind over time. Who knows? Our memories, our memories are tricky things. You know, lots of cases oh, no. of people I think, I think that's I think that's bullshit. I think that's enormous bullshit. <laughs> I think if there's some no, I think that's complete bullshit. Okay. I think if, if someone's saying that they that they were struck. Yeah. That they were struck by somebody. Sure. And that and that this was the turning point in their life. Yeah. Like they, they say that that they say 
and I'm not saying you're you're full of bullshit. I'm not saying it that way. I'm saying I'm saying this is just something that we that 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 women go through. Yeah. Where where there's two there's two things, and again, I don't think that I'm I'm not I'm not saying bad things about you when I'm saying this. I'm saying that this is just the way things are. Is like almost anyone that runs into this kind of situation will get uh, two things. One is usually, are you sure? You sure that happened? Yeah. And it's like, if they're to the point where they're telling this story and like, and making it a positive story, like not even like he did this and I'm really, like there's another story that's on the same page where someone's going, yeah, I was in a, a body cast and he kicked me and like I fell down four flight, four stairs <laughs> and it's like, oh shit. Yeah. You know, like as a joke, he did this and he would, he smashed a locker into a door into me. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, first of all, Maybe, maybe that happened, but that would be the kind of story that you'd go, really? Because that sounds, holy shit. But if the story is so detailed, so, so locked into this was something that changed her life to the point where she reversed it and went, it's a positive. Yeah. It was good that he did this. It mm-hmm. was a good thing. Like what will traditionally happen in, in this kind of situation, I don't want to, I don't want to compare it to Harvey Weinstein, but it's, it's the same kind of thing where it's just like, are you sure? Was he really, did he know that you could yeah. see him? And then the second thing is people go, yeah, but he wasn't like that with me. I saw him a lot. And, and he wasn't like that with me. He was always friendly with me. He was a good guy. He like did this. He helped me out. He made my movie. He did this. <laughs> he did that. And it yeah, sounds yeah. like you've got that positive side of things too. Yeah. But a guy. No, that's, that's right. That's why I, I, sorry. I can see, I can see totally how people make excuses for stuff like that. Cause yeah, you're in your mind, you're like, well, like that's like so counter. It's so, it's so counter to, to my experiences. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You've locked in your mind who this person is and mm-hmm. you think you've got this whole picture of this person. Yeah. And then, and then someone else presents something, something different and it's, it's so jarring. Mm-hmm. And this is what those people have to go through, you know, to get that, to get their, their, their story out, you know, is to, is to go against not just, you know, you believing that this happened, but also you've got to believe that this happened. You've got to now change this statue that you've built in your head of this person that also isn't just the person but it's also their relationship with you you're part of that story and what and and you've got a relationship with that person and if this is this is true that kind of destroys a bit of what you are like your relationship like it it destroys a part of your oh yeah for sure for sure that's really that's really really hard um yeah i mean when i hear this i think like I, I knew him to be like a real disciplinarian. He liked to kind of torture kids a bit. And I'm like, hmm, could that have pushed to the point where, you know, he was okay with like, you know, smacking smack someone's – because I, I, had, I had a teacher when I was like in elementary school who would do that. That was not an, that was not an unusual school thing. He probably grew up in that. We weren't that many years away from that being a thing that you would do. Yeah. And, and maybe he, you know – People that are like this, they see the people that they can do this with. They recognize it. And he was right because she she did accept this and 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 did uh, flip it to the I deserve this. Mm. And to this day, it's a positive memory for her that she got struck by a teacher. That was a good thing. And that turned my life around. And I'm a better person now because of it. That's that's where this like to me is like the chilling darkness <laughs> when, I read, when I read that. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I and I and I you know and I, I I went against this and then yeah had a guy 
who was in the uh, school around that time, just go like, oh, baby wants his bottle to me. I was like, well, this is block. That's just fucking, <laughs> that's just fucking stupid. Okay, you're, it's fine. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was it was a it was a disturbing thing. And just thinking like, I wonder, even even if I wonder one, if this was if this did happen, I I think it probably did happen. Uh, and if it did happen, she definitely wasn't the only one. And, you know, how this affected other kids that this happened to. Yeah. No, I never, I mean, like I say, I've heard, I heard from other, I heard from girls saying that he looked on their tops and stuff like that. But um, I never. Do you think they would all like make that up? Like, do you think there would ever be a teacher where multiple girls would say, this guy was a perv and looked down our tops and that he didn't? Do you, th- do you really think know. that would be? I, I don't know. I don't Does know. Does that sound realistic that there would be a teacher who. would not have done that and would have been accused of that multiple times? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. Like I say, my experiences with him were, he just always seemed to, um, yeah, he just seemed, he seemed above that, but who knows? I mean, men are men. Men can be dogs, so who knows? Yeah. It's weird also because you remember it as like you're a a teenager, right? By the way, I was looking down girls' shirts too. So... uh, yeah, of course they were my age. At, so yeah, considering your age, you were the, you were the peer of these people. Yeah, yeah, and 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 yeah, and and so you think like back then, if there's a teacher looking down tops, well, they're you know they're like uh, they're like me, and so no, like, I don't think look that. back on it, no, and go, me, no, 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 they're no. like you now. Yeah. If you went to a high school now and decide and were looking down girls' tops, that's what that's like. And now think of like what a creep you'd be to do that. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's what it was. That's what it would be. Yeah, I don't know. He also always wore three-piece suits, mm-hmm. which uh, was unusually uh, dressy for that school. Yeah, he was a person who I I kind of feel like I knew how to work when I when I when I first <laughs> saw him. It's one of those guys where like you can he, I like I recognize bullies immediately, and I'm like, oh, okay. Mm. Well, what do they want? Yeah. They want respect and they like a they like a laugh. And if you can set them up for a laugh so they get the laugh. Mm. Oh, Lordy. Do they <laughs> love that? So I was like, yeah, this is not the hardest thing in the world to do. I can do this. And also it was an English class, so it wasn't super hard. And like at one point, I remember there was a thing where, you know, he was he was trying to get people to do poetry. And he was like, he was he was, he was giving me the stink eye for something. And I said, uh, you know, I can do the Pied Piper of Hamlin in uh, one minute, like the entire poem. And he went, let's see you. I'm like, all right. And I could. And I did the whole poem like super fast. I had that uh, that stunt yeah. loaded up. Yeah. And uh, he loved that. And that bought me like goodwill <laughs> for like, a couple of weeks. Because huh. I knew I knew, I knew knew how to do it. Yeah. You know, I knew how to handle this kind of guy. I just, I just worked. I just worked my ass off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really, uh Really put it, put it all the, in. This is the thing, and I feel bad because, like, when when this when this kind of story comes up, first of all, this is someone who's treating this like a positive thing. So why am I the one who's going? Like, is it my <laughs> place now to go? Hey, yeah. yeah, you know, there's a bit of me that feels like other people are reading this, probably who've gone through similar things, and maybe this helps them. That's my hope. Uh, but but I I realize that this hurts a memory of yours. That's a very pleasant memory from the past, and I dislike. That I that that in doing this, it's it's casting a shadow on that, and I think that's a I, that's a thing that we've had to do 
you know, in the last, you know, few years with Me Too and what have you mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. you know, you got to, you know, a, a friend of mine who was a good friend of mine was uh, accused of assault, you know, uh, recently of another friend of mine. Yeah. And, and, and now all these things that I did with them, like I did an enormous amount of work with them on video and all this other stuff yeah. and all of that now, all these pleasant memories of mine fucking tainted. Yeah. Taint. I don't want to put these things up. I don't want to put his image up on things. I don't want to do this and that. And yeah, it's, it's, it sucks. It mm-hmm. sucks all the way around. And, uh, and yeah, Ugh. <laughs> I just, um, I didn't watch all of it, but I watched the last bit, uh, last few installments of the filthy rich, the, that Jeffrey Epstein documentary on Netflix. Oh, okay. How's that? So that very good. Uh, well, very good. in um, it's kind of very half good, just in the sense that I think, Legally, the the documentary is kind of limited in what it can discuss. Like, it can't really, it can't, it can't speculate on, on people who also were, you know, were in the background of of Epstein's uh, doings. You know what I mean? Huh. So, like, you know, they have like pictorial evidence of Prince Andrew being with some of the, the some of the women who you know have claimed that who have claimed that they were. Um, you know, basically prostituted by Jeffrey Epstein and, and Jelaine Maxwell, but, or is it Ghislaine? Ghislaine Maxwell. But the, um, but they can't talk about people that they say there's not pictures of or, you know what I mean? So there's like elements of it that, that feel kind of unexplored. Mm-hmm. But what it was really good at is what we're talking, what you're talking about and which, you know, which makes you feel doubly bad, you know, is, Yes, being believed, like be, having to come forward and talk about these painful experiences and not just come forward and talk about them, but then have people discount them mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of railroad you out of the way. And like, so there was that, um, that Acosta who became the secretary of labor under Trump, who like gave Epstein this like sweetheart secret deal that basically, you know, he didn't serve, he, I don't even think he served any jail time. He basically did, he was, uh, had home. He was, you know, like, um, whatever they call that, where you're, you're, uh, imprisoned at home where you wear ankle bracelet. Yeah, but he house was, arrest. House arrest. It's, but he wasn't even wearing it, it, an ankle what bracelet. It, what it's called is the last three months. Okay. Yeah. And he, he, uh, but he didn't even have an ankle bracelet. Mm-hmm. So he was on his own recognizance. So there's like, so I think the, det- the, like the, the sheriff of of my uh, sheriff of this who had you know tried to bring these charges to to onto Epstein who got who got shafted by the by the prosecution by the prosecutors he had they carried like a he hired a private detective to keep an eye on Epstein and this guy just recorded like him constantly leaving his house going to New York going to his island like mm. you know like he you know it's just like a ridiculous like charade of of a case you know and. Yeah, and the women who who went through the painful process of of, of talking about their experiences and, and revealing what happened to them, you know, they just got you know shat upon because nothing happened. You know, they went through all this pain and, and agony, and nothing came of it. You know, yeah. And there was a, a very cathartic end to to it for them, even though Epstein killed himself before the criminal case could be brought, and his lawyers you know, attempted to have the, the charges dismissed out of hand, the judge still allowed his victims to talk about what happened to them. And he sat and he listened to their stories. And they said that was so valuable 
for them because no one had listened to them and no one had taken them seriously before. And this judge sat there and listened to all, all of their stories and validated them. And then the charges were dismissed since Epstein was death, dead, of course. There's no need right. to, to go to criminal charges. Whatever kind of civil case they bring is a diff, different matter entirely, obviously. But yeah, it was very, um, that to me was like sort of the, the kind of bittersweet part of it for for them, you know, is that, that you know, when they could come together with each other and sort of share their experiences and be together as a sort of sisterhood of people who suffered from this this horrible this horrible man and and woman that, that Ghislaine Maxwell was obviously a, a procurer and 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 uh, you know act in a very evil way as well mm-hmm. and and yeah yeah no it was and and then one of the women who um, was uh, you know sexually assaulted by him she was an artist she went through she went to the uh, she studied fine arts in New York and she tells a story of you know when she uh, her final you know final year graduating she they had like a they had like um a display you know they had a showing of their of their works and she sold two of her paintings for $12,000 and she's really excited and then uh, Peggy Guggenheim is the name that comes to my mind anyway there was a Guggenheim who was was uh one of like one of the deans of uh, in this art school and she came over and she said Jeffrey Epstein's really interested in your paintings and he wants to buy them from you. And she said, oh, well, I've already sold them. She goes, no, no, you don't understand. He's going to buy them from you. You have to sell them to Jeffrey. He's given a lot of money to this school. And so so she had to sell these paintings that she'd sold for 12000 She had to sell them to Epstein for 6000 <sighs> And he took them and he said, don't worry, I'll make it worth your while. Oop. Which, of course, she didn't know at the time meant she was going to be raped, but that was what the make, your, make it worth your while was. But basically, yeah, he paid them you know, she he paid them to hang around and be sex objects until they either escaped or were discarded. And and so this woman, you know, she went through this experience and she like she gave up her art for years. She couldn't she just didn't follow that path, you know. And lately she's been coming out of that and, and doing painting. And one of the things she did with these all these fabulous portraits of the of the women who she who, you know, were part of this case and, and the, who she met and and it's really kind of a touching part of it as well. So, oh, that's great. So, if you don't watch the whole thing, if it's too horrible for you, and I, I think yeah. that could be the case, at least watch the, the final, the final one, to see the that aspect of it anyway. Because I think it is kind of touching and 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 important to to hear their stories and to yes, and to blush when someone points out to you that you are doing what what <laughs> someone did to them. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. There you go, everyone. So yes. So if that happened. Fuck him. My memories, uh, I'll throw them out the window. Right. I assume, I assume he's long since dead. Yes, he has passed away. It's funny because um, his house, he had an acreage in Panor- Panorama Ridge area, which was kind of like the hobby farm area of Surrey near Delta when we were growing up. And he still had an acreage there. And when we would go to um, the uh, riding ring where we had Prince Philip Games, mm-hmm. we would pass his house and I would say, oh, there is Mr. So-and-so's uh house you know it's just, and i'd probably i would tell some story mostly the one of me getting to go there and unlock the the door which seems like such an honor to be able to be trusted with going to someone else's house and and open it up for them without them being there you know but ugh, all curdled now <laughs> <laughs> but that's life you yeah ha- you what do they say if you meet buddha in the road you have to kill him so maybe that's maybe it's good to you know 
eat your eat your uh yeah you know who didn't say that buddha, buddha, did <laughs> buddha not say that. Like, what? what the fuck <laughs> don't <Yeah>. kill me <laughs> <laughs> no, who did say that was uh, Colin Upton in his uh, book, uh, Boot on the Road. Which well, I'm he was sure quoting, though, a, f- a famous quote. He wasn't yeah, asking. I'm sure he didn't uh, He didn't invent it. <laughs> yeah, and he also didn't invent the character Buddha. So, yeah. What? what? There you go. But still, it's a, it was a fine comic, and there was a lot of work put into it. So, yep. if, you get to, if you get a chance to see it in a comic shop, uh, pick it up. And see a little bit of Vancouver in the background, too. It's always, it's always a treat with a Colin Upton book going yeah. like, hey, I know That's that. True. Hey. I get that. Former, hey, don't forget, that. former friend of the show, Colin Upton. Absolutely, never, never forget. And if we're uh, <laughs> uh, when we get back to doing local conventions in Vancouver, uh, he'll be there. Oh, so, he will. Uh, yeah, we just get him on the show again. We should. I agree. We he's, should start having uh, guests uh, guests again uh, via the you know uh, phone and other ways. Yeah. Um, I'm going to uh, turn to our uh, mailbag if that is all right with you, Dave. Sure. Alrighty. Uh, last week. Uh, we asked the question of the week, which is, what is an emotionally intelligent change you have made in your life? Uh, we also asked, uh, what is a question you are always asked? And I think we asked that one because we have our question show coming up uh, very soon. I'll tell you more about that in a bit. Um, our friend Nina, who was uh, previously brought up, uh, asked, uh, going to answer last week's question because I forgot to. <laughs> this is her favorite joke. Okay. It's always pressure in reading a joke. Uh-huh. Do it well. Don't blow it. All right. A man at a funeral asks the widow, mind if I say a word? She says, go ahead. The man steps up to the podium and says, plethora. As he returns to his seat, the widow wipes away a tear and says, thank you. That means a lot. (laughs) That's good. That is the kind of joke that would make an English teacher happy. (laughs) Yes. Do you remember that English teacher who would, when she was teaching, she would lay she would lay like she would recline in the uh, up by the window like she would like lay in the windowsill because we had the, these big windows are you thinking of the teacher that was a cat she acted like a cat that's exactly what she said in the window like she'd lay find a little sunny spot she, yeah yeah and she would lay feel- she would lay along the window and she'd like have her head propped up in her on her on her palm was she, she an older woman she was i mean, I mean everyone I mean, was older i was gonna say yeah i don't know like they were all older i don't know either they're all like old all to these me. People that were like older people are now like younger than we are now. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I think I know. I might know who you're talking about. Yes. She also. She was. She also liked me a lot as a student. So. But I yeah, think she gave me a copy of Canterbury Tales. Oh, how nice. Yeah. She. Um. Yeah. I just. I always like that element of her that she'd just be like <laughs> teaching class while laying, laying in a window. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, I just, yeah, I, I, I do remember that. The two window things I remember is that, and then occasionally looking out a window and seeing your brother out there. Oh, that's the right. Ledge. He liked to climb onto the ledges. Oh, yes, we enjoy right. being on a ledge. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, I guess, back before you would see a kid on a ledge and go, I should probably call somebody. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just well, like, probably it's sh- on a ledge. He f- yeah. Yeah, just like that song, Living on a Ledge. <laughs> My overactive brother. Yeah, that's a pretty good ledge scene in uh, in that Dirty Harry movie. I'll give it. I'll give it that. I like that's, you know, got to yeah, jump that's her, right. Yeah, talking him down. No one else will help him, but but Harry. Yeah, punching him in the mush. <laughs> um, you son of a. Louise, our friend Louise, writes us and says, "An emotionally intelligent resolution I made one New Year's was to be less perfect. That is to not to worry so much 
about trying to achieve unattainable results and not be afraid to let people see my mistakes. I think that's why I found Ian's diary drawings really inspiring. They may not be perfectly polished sketches, uh, but they're perfect for capturing this moment in time. So, uh, yeah, I, I take your note that, that my drawings aren't any good. Yeah, I get you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of a backhand compliment there? Yeah, I know. What the hell? But uh, Louise... No, no, I agree. No, and I agree with that. I do... Like, I don't... Again, the, the nice thing about drawing in pen is, like, I can't take it back. So I have to, like, go, all right, it is what it is. And that is a pretty good re resolution. Yeah. Though Louise is also, if you know her, pretty perfect. So I think <laughs> she's failed on that. Yes, she is. Uh, that reminds me that she sent us an email with a sketch that she had done in, this, in, in the journal style inspired by you. So I'll put that on this week's post. Yeah, I, re I very much enjoyed that, uh, that drawing. Uh, it's fun seeing friends draw. Mm, yeah, um, it is. Laurel Robertson uh, writes, Hello, gentlemen. I hope you're doing well. Here are the answers to this week's questions. <laughs> oh, it's very official. Uh, <laughs> number one. How else do you start that? I mean, really, she's, she, she got it. Exactly. Uh, she even like numbers them. It's great. That's ah, perfect. Number one, at age 16 or 17, I made a conscious choice to learn to not be shy. Mm. I'm still an introvert, but had the realization that being shy was kind of egotistical in a way. It's kind of like thinking everyone was looking at me, which of course is not true. They weren't. And I trained myself to be more outgoing. A good uh, practice demographic was friends' parents. I found out I could really charm them with my clever wit and interest <laughs> in them. Uh, part of this realization's effect was understanding that I was valuable in others' lives and could make a difference in theirs. We all can. Am I right? You're right. There you go. And number two, as a massage therapist, I am often asked, does your husband get a massage all the time? The answer, sadly, is not as much as he would like. <laughs> yeah, who wants to go home and do more work? Exactly. I, exactly. Well, that guy, his back's made of cement. I do, oh. love, I do love a massage, though. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I don't know when those are coming back. I know, like, uh, places... <laughs> I don't care. Uh, I know anyway. the places in the neighborhood that are... Uh, those places? Yeah. They're open now. And I'm like, that can't be, but it is. And I'm like, no, that's... No, no. Unless everyone's just wrapped in plastic. Are, um, are you hinting that these are places where there's a particular outcome to the... <laughs> Alright. I'm saying that these things... They give massages to wolves. I'm just saying, like yeah. uh, maybe like a fair. They'd be similar to a fairy tale mm. in a certain. Is what I'm saying. I get you. Right. Sure. Um, as always, I am grateful for Sneaky Dragon. Oh, thanks, guys. Uh, P.S. As a former winner on a question show, the 350th, I believe, uh, I can that's, attest. That's not true. Okay. Well, you can Two, call her a liar. 250th, Laurel. All right. I can attest that it's so worth it to send in your questions. My prize was a choice of T-shirts, and it was fantastic. Peanuts Envy. That was the shirt. Yep. Uh, I love, love, love it still. Do it, folks. Send in your questions. Now I need to go email mine. And two happy faces. <laughs> I'm glad she likes that one so much. It's one of my drawings that I'm not that happy with. but I'm. Oh, the I'm Peanuts glad. one? The advice one? Yeah. Oh, love that one so much. The dragon is in, I think it says. It's like oh, the, I love that one so he, much. He's sitting, in the place of, he's sitting in the place of, of Lucy at the... Yeah. The thing, but yeah. yeah, I should enter the contest just so I can get that shirt. <laughs> you could, of course, you can get that shirt if you want it. Okay. Um, uh, uh, I was just gonna say, it's funny because when I was a kid, I was super shy talking to my my like aunts and uncles, and uh, or my mom's friends who were also my aunts and uncles. And 
I remember I used to do this thing when I was talking to them. I would stand in the doorway because they're sort of like, David, come and talk to your aunt or talk to, you know, so I'd stand in the doorway and then I would like nervously talk to them and I would pick at my shirt. I would pick mm-hmm. at the shoulder of my shirt and, and draw it up. And then I would reach back behind me and I'd pull, pull it back down. Then I would reach up and pull it up until I had this little peak there. And then I would reach down and pull it back down again. And I would do that over and over again while I was talking to them. Because I was <laughs> so nervous and I would keep pulling down, down back and forth. And, and it took me a long time to realize that they liked me. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, and I wasn't nervous because I was shy. I'm, ner- I'm nervous because I do not value myself. And so I feel like I'm taking other people's time by talking to them. And so I really had to, I also had to kind of work on that thinking of, of myself and realize, oh my gosh, my aunts and uncles like me and want to talk to me. <laughs> so that was, that was like a major revelation to myself, you know. And I can remember cool. I changed my laugh at one point in my life when I was a teenager because <clears throat> I was I got I was embarrassed that I had a high pitched laugh, mm-hmm. and so I changed my laugh to a ho <laughs> laugh. <laughs> and my aunt one time said after I'd done this for a while, my aunt one time she said, "Oh David, I miss your laugh so much." And I was like, "You know what? Why did I change my laugh? That was stupid." So I just went back to my my ridiculous high pitched cackle. Good. Yeah, it's more natural. I know I'm. uh, People say they can recognize my my laugh, like, Mm -hmm. like, like if I'm at a radio show, they can hear my laugh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, that makes me feel a little uncomfortable. But uh, (laughs) no, it's great because I can remember one time having a sketch performed. This thing where you entered a sketch, and if you won, they would perform it. And and so they're performing this sketch of mine on stage, and you laughed at it. You were somewhere else in the audience, and you laughed at it. And I was like, oh, at least Ian's enjoying this. One thing, one thing with the shyness, because uh, I was super shy at school and home, and then yeah. when I started to do uh, theater and mm. uh, comedy, I because because these places were not home or school, I loosen up completely to the point where I was too loose, like <laughs> way too loose, right? And like fearless, like dangerously fearless. And so, yeah, I always had to like find the balance later mm-hmm. on about that. Sure. So, uh, yeah, did did some did some things. Um, did okay. you set your hair on fire? No, I remember you doing that. <laughs> it's a similar thing, I think, though, where you're just like in such a comfortable place where you're just like fearless. It, yeah, like, you were oh. doing that. At, yeah, you were doing that at school, mm-hmm. and I don't think I was as confident yet at school. <laughs> Though I did around grade twelve, I was. But that was in drama. That was like in a drama class situation, or like or after school drama thing. I was never in and drama it was class. Back but... when you know, uh, because of the hairstyles at the time, you had enough spare hair to burn. Oh my gosh! I literally did had I ever... hair to hair to burn. I did. I had a quite the forelock. It was for forelock pulling when the lords and ladies rode by. Of course, I would tug at my forelock for them, but. Uh... I could also light it on fire, I guess. What was the? How many times have you lit your hair on fire? Oh, I think I only did it a couple times, and then I realized. Well, how much is a couple times? Five, three, three, maybe, yeah. Three? Yeah. That's a. That's more times than most people. I think so, but hair burns in a way that's kind of weird. So it's not. I mean, you know what? I'll tell you right now. I light my hair on fire almost every week at work because I light the torch, and often it doesn't light right away. The sparker doesn't spark it. Yeah. And then when it does it, this is like this huge ball of fire goes up your arm and it singes all the hair. Wow. So you're like, oh, whoops. Okay. And that used to happen actually when I would uh, light my forge when I was a horseshoer as well. It would be like, click, click, click. Oh, it's not working. Click, 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 click. Poof. <laughs> it's like a ball of flame right, right up your arm. 
I'm trying to be very careful with the stove. It's the first time I've ever used a gas stove. Oh, yeah, there you go. I have one here. And so, yeah, there are occasions yeah. where foosh yeah. occurs. And I'm like, oh, this is a dumb way to lose an eyebrow. But I mean, it's I just... I don't want that. Yeah, but I mean, it's just... It's like, it's, it happens so quickly. It's kind of... You know, it's not like it's a dangerous flame. It but is the like, first time, the first time that you lit your hair on fire, I had no idea what was going to happen. Well, I was wondering. Yeah, it's like that's <laughs> that's a certain confidence that you're like, I got yeah. this under control. Like, there's no backup plan of how to turn <laughs> put it out, or if you're going to have no, no. a Michael I, Jackson story. I had a friend nearby with a bucket of water, so don't worry. He's just around the corner. Okay. Just stand but, nearby. If, it, if this but, goes terribly wrong, throw the bucket of water on me. Yeah, put some ice in it for ALS. What? <laughs> It'll make sense later. Trust me. Okay. Uh, Todd, our friend Todd, wrote us mm. and said, uh, I'm midway through Dr. Thorne. Oh. Recommendation. Yay. And I am really enjoying it so far. Good. I must admit, I didn't expect a Victorian novel to be so funny. There are a lot of uh, meta, fourth-wall-breaking mm-hmm. moments yeah. in the narration that feel rather modern, such as Trollope <laughs> apologizing to the reader for the first two chapters being nothing but scene-setting exposition, or describing Dr. Thorne's niece Mary as being beautiful as you'd expect a novel's heroine to be. At this rate, I can see myself reading some more of Trollope's novels, although still probably not all of them. You know what? I still have not finished my Trollopathon, which, uh, if just speaking of that, I just, just uh, in this book... My book of journal entries here, I noticed, let me see if I can find it. This was 2015 still. Uh, continuing Trollop- continuing Trollopathon, Vicar of Bullhampton. So there you go. And then that was June 28th or 29th. And then September 18th of, of 2015, it says, Finished Ralph the Heir, book number 26. So that is still part of the Trollopathon. So I still have not finished it because I, I broke my e-reader a year or two ago. So... It's uh, it's a, it's kind of thing thing where you need your e-reader to to do that sort of a, of a stunt reading because you just need to have your the books constantly at hand to to read whenever whenever you have a break. But uh, okay, I'll pick it back up again. I'm going to finish this. I swear, I swear. But I'm glad that I'm glad you're enjoying it, Todd. I do think Doctor Thorne is a, is a very good book, and I I highly recommend that you if you like that book, then that you read. Can you forgive her? I think it's a a fantastic story. But Doctor Thorne is very a very appealing, and I just love when um when uh the the boy oh boy i can't remember the names of the characters now but uh the lord's son who is being uh pressed to marry a wealthy woman he's mm-hmm. sent to this party at his i think at his aunt's his his uh like more um higher status aunt's um manor house to attend a party where this um heir to the, to um a hair a hair ointment fortune is coming mm-hmm. the oil of Jericho, I believe it's called something like that. And so he goes, he goes there, and his 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 task is to, you know, flirt with her and then marry this very very wealthy woman. But he's all already given his heart to Mary Thorne, Doctor Thorne's daughter, and so he kind of goes there unwillingly. And uh, and it, but in, in, instead, it's a wonderful sequence that he has with this with this with this heiress. It's uh, it's really great, and uh, yeah, Trollope is a lot of fun. Like. When you think of Victorian novels, of course, you naturally think, "Ugh, what a lot of work!" Blah. But he writes super readable stories, and because because he lived he lived with those characters, because his job involved riding from from town to town to inspect post offices, he would just ride and he would think about his stories when he was riding, and he would he would live in these characters, and he would he would imagine their lives and what happened to them, and and he loved them all, and he. 
he was so empathetic to women and everyone that it's just it's just they're amazingly readable because there's so much affection in the stories so i highly recommend that if you if you enjoy reading novels that you read them trollop because uh you will not be disappointed everyone i'm Here a we go. i'm a trollop booster uh edward Drugansky uh writes Hello, Ed. Uh, i have a motto yep hi Ed. uh i have a <laughs> motto i call it the three e's i'm here to educate entertain and enlighten uh, so far, they have been my basic principles for emotional interaction with those around me, but it doesn't always work both ways. Just today, uh, two co-workers took it upon themselves to belittle me after I asked a question of them, and it was something they knew the answer to. The how can you not know that phrases came into play, but I stood my ground even though it, it was hurtful. Uh, when someone asks me a question, it means they want an answer, and I will, to the best of my knowledge, help them to find it. Let me just say this. Uh, what a bunch of jerks. Yeah, really. Right, back, back to this. Uh, sorry, you went through that. Uh, I made the emotional choice to keep uh, myself true and honest to myself, and not turn into that kind of person when someone asks a question or seeks my help. Uh, sometimes this sets me up to be steamrolled by others uh, when I'm asking questions of them, because uh, some look to show superiority and do not live by these same principles. There's also the nerd factor that comes into play. I'm regarded as an alpha fan for many things comics, movies, culture, etc. So I get the, is that all you think about? Or, you know, there's a big world out there. Why don't you like other stuff like normal people shit? Emotionally, it sounds like that's the reason. Why would you want to go out when these jerks are in the normal <laughs> world? Anyway, um, emotionally, it will wreck me for a short period until I realize that I could, uh, ne I would never do that to anyone or stoop to those levels. This realization lifts me back and I can say that I haven't changed myself emotionally to make someone else happy or fit their mold. I continue to be me, and I like uh, who I am a lot. That's really good to hear. Uh, yeah. So if you're in need of these three E's, I'm here and continue to live by these simple principles. But if you're about turning it around on me, I'll never make you feel less of yourself because I know something you don't. Share and care information. Never keep it to yourself and use it to hurt others. It felt good to get that out, especially after today. Thanks, brothers. Back at you, bro. Yeah, um, right back at you, Ed. And Ed, just one one thing before Ian goes on, I just want to also yeah. say that Ed sent us some drawings, some sketches to the Facebook page. So if you go to our last show underneath underneath the post, there are some sketches uh, by Ed of uh, various comic book and and comic strip characters uh, getting beaten up. <laughs> so uh, obviously working out working out some stuff in his sketchbook as uh, he's saying, but yeah, they're all really good, uh, great drawings of. Popeye and the Incredible Hulk and Archie. I, I recommend uh, that you guys check that out. Excellent. Very nice uh, work, but, Ed. Ed's a really but, good artist. So uh, even as a as a youth, if I had seen his drawings when I was younger, I probably would have just thrown my pencil away. <laughs> oh, by the way, Dave. Yeah. Are you living in a bird sanctuary right now? Oh, do you hear birds? Oh, many birds. Yes, like you've been punched in an old timey cartoon, <laughs> and they're going around your head. It's not unpleasant. It's quite yeah. nice. But I'm just making sure that, that you know there are birds in your uh, in your vicinity, right? And bats in my belfry. Uh, no, I have my window open because it's very warm out today. So okay, I have I have a cross current. My my door is open. I have a board across it so the chickens can't come in. And then uh, I have my window open so I can see the chickens walking around in the yard. They're not visible right now, but they they've been popping back and forth. Uh, Edward uh, goes on to write uh, a question I'm always asked. Why can't I enlarge this 800K JPEG into a wall poster? <laughs> Second question, why does this wall poster look like shit? 
<laughs> and it's because it's Patrick Stewart from the Emoji Movie <gasps> playing his character. Poop. <laughs> Hello, I'm Poop. Well, good on you, uh, Edward, and also good on you not taking that stuff and turning into a bully yourself. That's a very easy thing to do to, uh, you know, yeah. people do that, go, I'm going to show you and instead, instead uh, be the better person. And then you actually do show them. That's the way to, that's the way to play it. And that makes the world a better place. So thanks for doing that. Yeah. There's not much difference really between like qualitatively between uh, jock bullies and nerd bullies. It makes you feel bad in both cases. Exactly. Well, there's less locked in the locker and more locked in the emotional locker. <laughs> I don't know which. Is, yeah, which what's worse? I don't know. Okay, Rich writes in with a joke. Here's the joke. Cool. All right. So, uh, hey guys, uh, on their wedding night, as they were getting into bed, he asked, "My dear, is this your first time?" And she said, "Why does everyone always ask me that?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. That's good. And I like it. They- yeah, and then they start pegging. <gasps> okay. Um, <laughs> Sarah Walsh writes, uh, right, rolls up sleeves. Nah, I'm a hardcore subscriber to the no bad music philosophy, so I can't get riled up about a disagreement over which Genesis song or album is better, although it is obviously Foxtrot. <laughs> I can definitely understand what you mean about Supper's Ready. It's a big commitment, certainly not something... Uh, you want to come on the shuffle when you're driving three miles to the store, especially if you tend to sit in the car until the song is over. But I love a solid album. So if I'm going to dedicate an hour specifically to listening to one block of music, I don't much care whether it's split into three-minute or 30-minute chunks. <laughs> Supper's ready in particular when that first melody comes back at the end and it's, hey, babe, uh, to tie it all up. Then the New Jerusalem part carries us out kind of like Sergeant Pepper reprised rolling into a day in the life. Uh, it's worth the investment to me. Uh, you've truly been on a journey. It's also conveniently broken up, broken up into distinct parts. So it can be like listening to several different songs strung together again, like Sergeant Pepper and stagnation is great too. But I think my favorite on trespass is the knife. Also got to show a little love for nursery crime, which is uh, growing on me lately as well. Hogweed. I don't know any of these words that are being said right now, but I'm reading them out loud like I do. <laughs> well, I feel like... Do you like... understand what Sarah Walsh is saying, Dave? Ah, of course I do. Very good. Of course is I do. Esperanto? I'm just going to say that... Is it Esperanto? No, it's Genesisian. Uh No, I'm going to say that uh, it's... You know, we're splitting hairs here, really. I mean... Uh, you know, I love Foxtrot as well. It's just... I'm, 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 a, I'm a stagnation guy these days, so it's... it's uh, I... I don't think I'd heard um, um, uh, trespass too much, but you know what? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that we might as well just like call it call it even like both agree to disagree, and we'll just say that selling selling England by the pound is the best Genesis album. All right, what's the next letter? That was it. Yep, that is it. Have you got some letters? My oh, friend? I just wanted to. Oh, that's it. I just wanted to say uh, I would say more about it, but I'm thinking that we're going to do a top five show on the listening party in, in a little while. And um, I'm going to do top five progressive songs for that. So I pro- prog rock songs. So I don't want to, I don't want to like give away too much of my feelings on these things. So I, I don't want to talk about it then. Okay. Does that sound reasonable? Very reasonable. Okay. So we had an email and I just have to find it. And this is from Brent Tannehill. 
Brent wrote in with best right. short joke is the uh, subject of this email. Okay. He says, I have lots of favorite jokes, but most are long and some aren't appropriate for everyone. This one is great because it's funny and young kids get it too. Okay. So I will do it for you. I will do it. You, this is one that's like call and response. So you know your part in this. You've heard this joke. All right, sir. All right. I'm ready. All right. Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting no. cow. Yeah. That's, there you go. Oh my God. What's wrong? That cow just interrupted me. <laughs> I know. Wait, that was also its name. Oh, I get it. Nice. It is it's pretty a, good. It's a classic. I remember my my nephew Jamie telling me that joke when I was when I, when when I was younger. When he was much younger, I should say. I'm not Aww. that much younger. He's he was much younger then. <laughs> well, you know what I mean, right? Like me. Yeah, me, I know how time works. But I'm just saying, like me, 20 years ago, wasn't that much different than me now. But he 20 years ago is a lot different than he now. Oops, I almost dropped my phone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a difference between, there's a big difference between being five and 25, but there's not that much difference between 33 and 53 or 54, actually. Mm-hmm. 54, fuck. Okay, so this is, a, this is a, a message from Josh. Josh Chambers has written to us. Hello, Josh. And so Josh says, hello, sirs. Hello. In regards to this week's... I'm glad you identify as a SIRS. In regard to this week's questions, an emotionally intelligent change I made in my life was learning to embrace my nerd status. When I was hitting the glorious time of life known as adolescence, I felt this insane pressure to adapt, to become part of what I assumed was the cool crowd. I begged for and achieved much to my parents' distaste, Nike Airs, athletic apparel, and since this was the late 80s, early 90s, other clothing and colors more appropriate to construction cones. (laughs) I was leading a double life, trying to fit into the jock couture culture while scrambling home every day, hoping a butcher paper wrapped Marvel comic was waiting in the mailbox. Sometime in the 10th grade, I was adopted, he puts that in quotations, by a group Mm -hmm. of seniors who enjoyed comedy and pop culture, and I became... Let me just say, I came to feel a bit more comfortable. Sub-question, um, what is a question you're always asked? Actually, he, he says, oops, hit, to, hit enter too quickly, sorry. Actually, before he answers that question, he goes on to say, it probably wasn't until college that I fully embraced nerd culture. And now, mm. that I'm wrapped, now that I've wrapped up year 20 in the classroom as a teacher of English, lit and film theory production, those are two good classes to teach. Yeah. English lit and film theory production, that's great. Uh, I'm happy to say that I've seen a great shift in culture and kids feel very comfortable with being a bit on the outside. I think that's true. I think we have had a big culture, which I would credit computers with. Computer and video games have kind of leveled that, have given like a kind of co-interest to kids who are nerds and kids who are jocks. And there's a kind of connection there that wasn't there in the past where, you know, the computer lab in school into a majority of, of kids in school was like, forget about that place. It was just like, you know, it would have been like have being like, into science or whatever, you know what I mean? Like yeah. being into computers, whereas now computers are such a part of our lives that it's a real, it's a real uh, gap bridge, I would say. He says, I also encourage nerds to be nerds. I only hope someday they hold pep rallies for these kids, but like Groucho, they wouldn't want to belong to a club that would have <laughs> the, a member like them. So yeah, it's uh... then he says to question number two, uh, which was as to re- refresh a question you are always asked, how old are you? That's a question he's always asked. It depends. 
When I'm talking to people about literature, film, all things historical, and usually the odder or more esoteric things in life, the uh, question implies that I was born in 1903. In the other mm-hmm. case, when I behave a bit on the loony side, how old are you becomes much different and usually from uh, born of annoyance. It's usually followed up <laughs> by an apology. He says, thanks again for a great show for these times. Your fansplainer sidecast on the Emoji Movie had me in stitches this past <laughs> week. Perhaps a side sidecast could come of this greenlit nightmares. <laughs> so that's very good. Yeah. Um, so Ian, I feel like this is more... F- for I mean, I was a nerd in school, I guess, but I think in a way I hit it a bit better than you. And also I was comfortable not fitting into school. I have to say, I never, I never, I, I, I never yearned to be in, in, in group. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I was pretty comfortable with my out group status or my, at least my fringe interest. But I also feel like I was much more of a chameleon in school and I was able to like kind of, you know, kind of have friends in, in, in all kinds of different cliques in, in school. Um, did you, were you able to embrace your nerd status in school or did you try to hide it? Uh, I, I tried to just avoid school in general until, <laughs> in general, okay. until like grade 11 and yeah, 12. Like yeah. basically I, I, we moved when I was grade six okay. and it was a nightmare until about grade sure. 11. But what I discovered at that point was theater. And so I went off to do theater. Mm. And so at nighttime I'd be hanging out with kids my age and, and older and, uh, and I was accepted there. Mm-hmm. And so going to school, it was just like, well, I knew there was another world that was a better world that was out there. Yeah, I yeah. think that's what kept me sane. And also I was working on a television show off and on called Switchback for the CBC. Uh, and so I knew there was like that kind of world as well. And all these people who worked on these things generally were nice and funny. And I enjoyed them much more than uh, people in my school. So I didn't try to impress people in my school. School was just something I felt I legally had to get through. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I paid as little attention to it as I possibly could while focusing on all the other things and making my own things so that I could get away from school as much as I as much as I could. And and I kind of got into the nerd thing. Um, by going to conventions like uh i was doing my own comic books and i'd go to conventions and i'd meet people there and and meeting you was a big part of you know uh getting accepted because you know you liked comedy and i like comedy and so we made some comedy and people seemed to like our little comedy shows that we would do for lunch yeah so you know that uh that that helped make things more accepted as well uh but yeah it was pretty much i don't think i was embracing it at school i don't think there was really an option for that yeah yeah there uh, but I was, but I was embraced doing the things that I liked outside of school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. Like I mean, I played D and D starting, I think, in grade ten, and on into through high school, uh, through the rest of high school, into that was a, school. that was a Dave and Dave, where you and another Dave would get <laughs> and just wrestle. Often several Daves. I had so many friends mm-hmm. named Dave then, but it was, uh, yeah. I mean, and I guess that's nerdy. But I, to be honest with you, I never. I never thought of myself as a nerd, you know, like I didn't, I didn't uh, ever kind of, I didn't really embrace it or or think about it, think of myself in that way. I knew I was an outsider, but I knew that from elementary school. Like I didn't like suddenly like develop interests when I was older that put me on the outside. I always was on the outside. And I think that was maybe saddening when I was a kid, when I was in, in elementary school, I was, there was times that made me very sad and feel very lonely. Oh, but, but I, you know, my interests also, you know, the things that I 
developed interest in were things that I could do by myself, you know, drawing and reading and things. And I still had friends in the neighborhood and stuff. So I wasn't like a total lonely person. As I said in school, I know I wasn't included in sports and stuff like that, even though I was interested in playing, just because I was a very tall kid and I out, my muscles, you know, were out, my bones outgrew my muscles and I was clumsy and I was more like, you know, a baby giraffe trying to run around than, <laughs> than a, you know, a kid, you know, an athlete. And so kids, I tended to not get included in those sort of things. And that was hurtful, obviously. But, you know, I just developed different interests and, and I just kind of learned where I fit in and who I fit in with very early on. And like I say, my, I developed Nerdar very quickly as a kid and I could, I could kind of tell who, who to be friends with and, you know, who would be accepting of who I was and, and, and stuff like that. And so I kind of, I learned to navigate very early on all that kind of stuff. So I feel like I kind of got through school pretty easily. I mean, there was bullying, but I was pretty good also at, at def- diffusing the bullying as well and turning it into something else. So you know, a kid who bullied me. And I also, I also moved like you in grade six to a different place. And that's really hard because you're dislocated from your life. But unlike you, where you were thousands of miles from where you were from, I was tens of miles from where I was from. And so I was able to still keep a, a foot in that life as well. And so often on weekends, I would go sleep over at my friend's house in Coquitlam and still have my Coquitlam life to a degree. And, and so, yeah, I kind of, you know, I still, you know, so it, it worked out in that way. But yes, it's it's tricky, you know, like, uh, you know, no one, no girls are too impressed by you reading Asterix or Tintin when you're in junior <laughs> high school. It's just not a way to, 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 to you know, win f- friends and influence people for sure. But uh, eventually it all, it all pays, pays back, you know, all that, uh, all that hardship and, and what you went through. Eventually at one point in your life, it does it seems to pay you back in ways that you didn't expect. I would say, wouldn't you say that's true? Yeah. yeah. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. So, and just, and just, you know, being yourself as much as possible will pay off in the long run. It's mm-hmm. just as healthier. Yeah. It's just healthier and you'll find your, you'll find your people. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's, it is sad that life has to be shitty sometimes, but that's life. <laughs> yeah, well, if your life is makes... if your life isn't shitty you had a remarkably lucky life i'll i'll say that like you know at some point i don't mean that it's always that way but at some point there's times in your life where it's sad or it's lonely or whatever and that to me is one of the great things of why i love peanuts so much as a kid is that it does explore those sort of things in a in a in a way that's relatable as a child you know and and so yeah i think that's important well anyway so let's go on to an <laughs> email from uh jada jackman I hope it, I hope Jada's right. If I'm wrong, I apologize, but I just like Jada. It's a very nice name. It says, Jada's letter says, hello, Ian and Dave. Hello. I noticed a couple of days ago, the website was down. Hope everything Uh is okay. It seems to be up and running again. Yes, it was down. And if that happens, please don't hesitate to send me a little note. You can, uh, of course, write us in the usual ways. You can leave a comment on the website. You can contact us via Twitter, email, or a or a quick message to Sneaky Dragon just to let me know because I don't always go to the website because I don't need to. I don't listen to the shows. So, um, but if you do and you notice that it's down, please let me know because it doesn't take me long to fix it. But if I don't know it's it's down, then I can't fix it. Ian was kind enough to tell me and I, I did take care of that eventually. So Jade also says, from episode 442, I didn't even consider that someone wouldn't know a Philly cheesesteak is from Philadelphia. I'm sorry I asked that question now. I realized as I was asking it, I was blushing from head to toe when I said it. it was just because you had mentioned New Jersey and you're in, in and uh, so I was thinking that you lived in New Jersey, but you love Philly cheesesteaks. 
And then I was thinking like, well, maybe that they're one of those weird things that are like from one place, but they got a different name. It reminded me <laughs> when I learned that Buffalo chicken wings originated from Buffalo, New York. It makes total sense, but I just never <laughs> thought about the name. I was the same, Jada. I never, I didn't realize that Buffalo wings were also from there. I just, I thought it was like some kind of weird, uh, some sort of weird reference to like it was buffalo sauce or something like that. I didn't know what it meant. I thought it was just, yeah, it's a joke. Like buffaloes don't have wings. Yeah. So that's the yeah, funny bit. Like, yeah. Just make, it's just make them up. It's, mm-hmm. it's silliness. Yeah. It's not like this Chicago style pizza. And where's that stuff from? <laughs> and uh, she says, a question I always get is, can I touch your hair? For context, I have long, frizzy, curly hair, like Marita from Brave, except not Ginger. Or how about Frida from Peanuts? Too old a reference, Dave. I try to take it as a compliment that they think my hair is unique and intriguing, but it can be awkward since I don't know what they're expecting. My hair feels like hair. That's true. And then she has a question for us for episode 450. And so that is two, two, everyone, uh, references to our upcoming 450th episode we're not too far away from it now everyone and so don't forget to get your questions in we've had former winner from episode 250 laurel robertson who got a shirt she loves peanuts envy and that shirt laurel i'm sure you'll agree with me those shirts are awesome because they last forever they're made in this sublimated dye thing that puts it's not like those gross ones that you get at the dog's ear boutique and they're like a plastic sheet over top of, of fabric. And then when you wash in the, in the washing machine, it really tears to shreds. No, no. The dye is sublimated into the material of the shirt. And so they last forever. I'm, I'm looking at my sneaky tails shirt where Ian and I are both Dr. Stranges and we see sneaky dragon behind us, uh, as what's the, what's that character's name? Who's the, who, uh, the kind of shadow, uh, Dor- Doramu, Doramu. That's right. Yes. And so that's sneaky dragon in the shirt. And I love this shirt and I've had it for many, many years and it's still in tip top condition. And so that's what you would be getting. You'd be getting a very nice shirt. And Laurel, of course, attested to that. Our winner from episode 350 with Jonathan Bampton, who lives in Australia. He also got a very nice, he was very happy with the things that he got. I'm sure he would attest to that. He, of course, is the person who's, who is asking Ian to send in something for the Dirty Harry Minute. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you would like the opportunity to win these fabulous things, everyone, it's very simple. How do you do it? Send us questions. Your questions equal entries into our draw. So it's also your chance to con- run Sneaky Dragon for, for, a, for a show. Like, do you, yeah. want, do you want us to talk about things that we've mentioned in the past but maybe didn't get into in the way that you wanted them to? Ask us a question and we will talk about it further. Ask us several questions on the topic and we will get into it further. That's it's it's your questions. We can't control what you ask us. We can only mm-hmm. answer your questions. So have some fun with it. But please get your questions in because the more questions, the better the show, and the more people who get an opportunity to win our fantastic prize draw, which is of course a t-shirt, pins, a bumper sticker, which everyone gets for asking questions, also a mug, and an extra, extra sister's comic that Ian will sign. You'll sign a right, Ian? Yeah. <laughs> Ian will unwillingly sign. <laughs> so there you reluctantly, go. Reluctantly. Reluctantly. There you go, everyone. And how you can contact us, it's pretty simple. You can write us by email. That's the easiest way, which is sneakyd 
at sneakydragon.com. We will put your questions into our growing pile of questions. You can also write to us on Twitter, sneaky, D, sneaky underscore dragon, I should say. Uh, we are on Facebook at Sneaky Dragon. We also have a Patreon page. You can go there. You can leave messages for us there if you'd like, uh, which is always very nice to hear from people in any way at all. And you can also leave. You can also uh, pledge money there and to help support the show, which is very nice as well. Uh, last year's, it turns out, last year's um, what we got last year uh, was completely, it completely paid for everything that we needed to pay for for last year. So that was very nice. Thank you, everyone. So thank for you very us. much for that. Yes, that's and awesome. that's all uh, uh, sour gummies. <laughs> It's all we require here. Yeah, basically we just we just pound the sour gummies through the show. Just not the diet ones. And mm-hmm. then and then uh, and then that's it, I guess. I don't have anything else to say. I was gonna <laughs> and say oh then that's it is the name of our new podcast. <laughs> no, I was I was had been a long podcast. The other thing I was gonna say is that if you insist on writing us mail, you oh there's a squirrel running along our fence. Hello, squirrel. Mm-hmm. Get out of here, you. Uh, it's a great squirrel, by the way. Nice. Uh, if you want to write us uh, by snail, snail mail, you can find our address on the website on our contact us page, which also has our other links to other ways to contact us. So, so there you go, everyone. That is that. Ian, do you have anything you'd like to touch on before we, before we say goodbye to all our friends? Sure. Sometimes, sometimes we forget to mention that, uh, uh, you and I and our friend Nina uh, did a book, and that book is called Sparks. Mm. It's a book for kids that's uh, that's still out in bookstores, and there's going to be a new one uh, coming out um, this August. Yeah, a little, uh, a little over a month. Yeah, right. You can pre-order now um, from your local bookstore or online. Uh, Sparks Double Dog Dare. We're very proud of that one, and uh, so so yeah, that's there. And as we mentioned, uh, Extra Sisters. Uh, issue six is out in stores now. If you feel like uh, picking that up, I also do um, uh, cartoons in Mad Magazine, which is still in comic stores, and comic stores still exist. So if you feel like doing that, uh, you can pick those up too. I think that's about it. Uh, we forgot to do our questions. Oh, okay. Our question uh, of the week. A, all right, let me th- let me throw this out. Okay. Because we were going down some dark paths there, <laughs> but like, who was it? Who? Let's let's do a positive spin on this if you want. Sure. You can go. You can go negative if you feel like it, but it's this: who's a teacher that uh, had a, a big influence on you, like a mm. good influence on you? That's good. Like a positive, uh, sentient, sentient in a right direction. Let's let's do that. So that'd be one of the questions. Sure. When okay. you say when you say sensuous, that reminds me of a teacher who used to give uh, students neck rubs during class. Ooh, <laughs> I know what art, you mean. Art class. Really? Yeah. It, no, I was thinking of a different one. Okay. Yeah. This is a this is a Bernsey. Uh, this is also Burns View, but it was an English one. <laughs> was not no no. This is our, our class. It wasn't that one? Isn't it bad though that there's like multiple ones that you're like mm. that's it? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, let's get back to the positive. positive <laughs> thing. A teacher that was a positive mm. uh, and, and 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 for you. There you go. Have you got a second uh, question? Because if not, I'll throw something else in there. Um. No, I don't. I can't think of one. Sorry. All right. How about this? I've been uh, cooking a whole bunch of new stuff. Uh, is there something you've recently learned how to make uh, in the kitchen? Huh, uh, if so, uh, let us know. I like those questions. I like those questions. I'm just just going to write them down. Okay. So I don't forget them. Please, so, please don't. You can also listen to the podcast. It's fun. Ugh. All right. I do. Enough. I do kind of listen to it, but I, I I listen to it at a minute. I go like a minute ahead. A yeah. minute ahead. I mean, it sounds good. Let's post this thing. Otherwise, you just get nauseous. 
Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I've noted it. I've noted it down. It is official. Those are our official questions of the week, everyone. So please send those questions. I mean, send your answers to those questions to our aforementioned contact ways of contacting us. Contact ways of contacting. You know what I mean. And uh, also send us questions for the 450th episode. It is seven shows away. I guess I better think of a bumper sticker to draw before I uh, mm-hmm. get too <laughs> carried away here. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to our show. Uh, I have nothing more to say. I've run out of Slurpee. All right. We'll try and think of other things to say by next week. <laughs> and if you guys want to listen to more podcasts, we also do fan splainers and we do sneaky dragon listening party. So you can listen to those as well. Yes. That's all. Fans, new fan splainers next week. Woo. Oh, sorry. New, new, new listening party next week. New fan splainers this week. So if you want, Woo. you can listen to Ian, Ian and talk a great deal, detail about Woo. the emoji movie. You're, you're very good, Ian. I just uh, occasionally popped in when my mouth worked and, uh, <laughs> And yeah, it'll be a new listening party next week. Episode 43, I believe. Oh my gosh. I know. Impressive. Yeah, it just keeps going. Keeps going. Yep. And uh, yeah, so tune in. And okay, everyone enjoy. out there, stay uh, stay healthy. We need all of you around. So yes. uh, keep washing them hands. Keep See washing them hands. Yep. And uh, bye, everyone. Oh my gosh. What a, what a train wreck of an ending of this episode. Boo! Boo! Feel bad about yourself. Feel bad. I do. Feel bad. Boo! 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 We've learned nothing emotionally. Boo! Uh. Bloop, bleep, bloop, blah, bloop, blah, bloop, blah, bloop, blah, bloop, blah, bloop.